Hello, and welcome to episode 223 of Smarts, which as we all know stands for... Sunday mornings always reveal TARDIS secrets. Ooh. Ooh. My name is Rudiger Q Podcaster, <laughs> a.k.a. Trevor, and your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. You're Time for the news. <laughs> okay. All right. So only one little <laughs> bit of news this week. So um, in the continuing um, uh, ethnic purge of all previous Marvel TV content, that's fine, right? To use that term? No. Um, no, it's not. Uh, all, all Marvel TV projects that precede the Marvel Studios takeover mm-hmm. um, are gradually being purged one, one by one, as we've talked about before. And, yeah. you know, Marvel TV was officially shut down. And we said, well... Seems like the only things left standing are those um, animated shows for Hulu they were going to do. Yep. Um, well, and yet. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> I a, got news a, for a you. A couple of those have been canceled. Oh dear. So the Kevin Smith um, Howard the Duck show and the uh, poor Howard and the Tigra and Dazzler show that they were going to do have both been canceled. Oh well. The Modoc show with Patton Oswalt and the one other one, whatever it was going to be, Hit was it Hit Monkey? I think it was. Um, those have not been canceled yet. But I, it's either it's just a matter of time, or they'll still end up happening. But they'll be like a finite thing. They're obviously not doing the thing they were going to do, which is have all four of these shows and then have them culminate in a big crossover, which mm-hmm. is what they said they were going to do. Okay. Obviously, that's not happening because <laughs> two of them aren't happening. Yeah. So I think we might get like all that might remain from this initiative is like one one ten episode cartoon Run on Hulu on and that'll be it you know if they already have too much money invested in it or something or they have contracts that they can't break but that's yeah. it um but otherwise I think this is the last vestige of the old Marvel TV just sort of clinging to life oh that's really sad and that's it for our news oh, happy, fun, happy fun times yay um so what was your comic of the week so this week I picked oh man there were so many good ones this week I was really torn seven uh Wonder Woman 750 was awesome um but no, I really had to pick Superman number 19 because this issue was really warm. It was some fantastic writing. It had some really slow uh, moments, but they were really touching and wonderful moments. It's basically an issue filled with the consequences of the immediate consequences of Superman having revealed his identity and what that means to Metropolis at large. Superman's own anxiety and worry about it. Um, as juxtaposed to people's coming to terms with the fact that in some cases, especially at the Daily Planet, um, this is a friend and colleague who they've maybe even underestimated or not undervalued in some way. Um, And he's become basically like Santa, (laughs) you know, like life-saving Santa. Um, In some cases, he has co-workers that come up to him and say, thank you for saving my life. Like, you didn't have to, but you did. And I get a chance to thank you now. And I didn't think I'd get that chance. And I didn't realize how amazing you really are because you did that great thing as this one persona. And then here's you every single day as this other persona. And it's the same person. And that's kind of crazy and wonderful and magical. And the city really embraces him and doesn't even I can't say forgives him because there there's no one really in this issue that's truly angry at him for any deception they're all just sort of stunned by the news and piecing it and in awe of him even more because of who he was and how he truly lived um 
two extraordinary lives in different ways. And that's great. So I, I really love this issue. It was great. Yep, it was really good. I can't even remember the B plot, to be honest. I think there really was, was one. I mean, this isn't this isn't an episode of Star Trek. There doesn't have <laughs> I know. to be a B plot. No, I just I I wondered if there because I remember there was some reference to um, what's her name Michelle Good or what was her name, the one who w- oh, turned Rob- out to be Red Robinson Cla- Good? Robin Good. Yeah, Robin Good. Um, but I, I can't think, remember. No, I don't think she was in. Was this that the one. previous issue I that mean, they explained her backstory? No, that's over in uh, that's over in action. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> now that we read all of the DC stuff, um, sometimes it's hard to know what plot beat happened where, especially in related stories. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, okay, so there. That's great. Yep, That's why good. I picked it. What'd you pick? So I picked Wonder Woman number number seven fifty. Hey, so that anniversary, was my runner up. Big anniversary issue. Yeah, it was great. Um, so in the main story, continue uh, concluding the the plot that's been going on, um, the the Steve Orlando plot with uh, Cheetah and the God Killer Blade and all that stuff. Um, this has a satisfying conclusion. Silence is there, which I'm sure you appreciated. I love. Um, I love. She gets some new equipment at the end and sort of a renewed mission. And there's a bit of a cliffhanger, and then we get some cool backup stories. There's a great one by uh, Gail Simone featuring a young girl yep. um, that she had befriended, I think, in the previous anniversary issue, actually. Um, there's a nice story by Greg Rucka, again, following up on some Cheetah stuff and Wonder Woman's desire to rehabilitate her. Um, there's a few other fun stories. There's, a, there's some some great art. There's one. There's yeah. a lot of nice pinups. There's a, there's a nice uh, story uh, illustrated by Riley Rosmo about the relationship between her and her mother. Um where yes, they sort of bring that her back was to great. Here under false pretenses. Um, <laughs> you never visit anymore. Big, Are you eating enough? <laughs> the the big headline story here is the, is the final story, which is the one by Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch, which is the rather low key. Like within the context of the issue, it's not given any more fanfare than any of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, people that have been paying attention to the news know that this is sort of the low key debut of this new official DC timeline, um, and it features Wonder Woman appearing in 1939 and saving the life of President Roosevelt from an assassin mm-hmm. um, and sort of inspiring the onlookers, one of which happens to be Alan Scott. And so we get the sense that she's going to inspire this first generation of superheroes. Um, and this is this combined with the fact that they've renumbered this issue to the original numbering of 750 is sort of the first waves of this um, a sort of embracing of a new, more inclusive Timeline. historical mm-hmm. um, perspective on the DC universe where everything is included and everything counts in theory. Um, they A lot of times they'll say that and it won't actually happen, but yeah. we'll see if this time is any different. And uh, the next thing we're going to get is Flash 750. Mm-hmm. Um, is I'm that going to have a similar structure? I'm not sure that's going to have... I think, yeah, I think the big anniversary issues always usually have... have like a multi-story... Usually have a lead story, by, lead story by the regular creative team, either... Mm-hmm the climax of an existing story arc or the beginning of a new one. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of backup stories by legacy creators. Um, yeah, you know, cool. classic creators that are still associated with the character. Like uh, Flash 750, I'm sure we'll have to have something by Jeff Johns in there. There'll probably be something with art by Scott Collins and Howard Porter. And, you know, like classic, maybe they'll see, I don't know if they can get Mark Wade to do something. He doesn't really do any DC work anymore. But. Liam Sharp needs to put more details into that piece that he did. Of one well, of he just did one pinup, yeah. <laughs> but at least we got the beautiful Nicholas Scott art on the Greg Rucker one. I was, yeah. I was, you know, it had to be one of those two artists, of course, because they were the two that did yeah. that did the arcs with him. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. really good. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the, the story introduced in the new timeline at the end was was not, you know, the deepest story in the world. Yeah. But it was it was nicely done, and it serves to sort of 
augur, set, augur set in this up. new age, yep. even if it doesn't exactly amount to much on its own. It's sort of a nice hint at, at the, the things to come. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. So it's a good anniversary issue. Agreed. So should we move on to your quiz? Yeah, ready. So this week, because we have the first episode of uh, Star Trek Picard to talk about, okay. I'm going to quiz you about uh, Next Generation episodes. <gasps> so I'm going to... Uh, give I'm you the, crap with the titles. I'm going to give you the, no. ti- the title of an episode. We all know oh, no. how much you love titles. The title of an episode and four uh, things that may or may not have happened in the episode. And you have to tell me which of them was in that episode. Okay. Okay? O- okay. All right. So number one. This is more or less one from each season, except I think I excluded season two just because... I don't know. Season two. I, I always like to have an odd number of, an even number of questions. So I just pick one from seasons sure. one and two. All right. Number one, mm-hmm. data lore. Okay. Okay. What, which of these happened in this episode? Data meets lore. Data and lore meet their father. Lore is revealed as the leader of a faction of Borg. Or lore is defeated for the last time and disassembled. Ooh. You know what? I think it's the first time that they meet. You know why? Because that in <laughs> because that, their names are in the title. No, haha. Data lore is. Uh, I think that's the episode where, for a while, you had data, uh, lore masquerading as data while data well, that was, was disabled. That was the first episode that introduced lore. The question is, was this the title of that episode? Yes, I think so. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. All right, number two, Deja Q. Huh. Okay. So which which of these happened? The Enterprise crew meets Q. Q admits Riker into the continuum, Q loses his powers, or Q takes Picard back to a formative moment in his past. Formative moment is hard to say also. <laughs> I think that's what that one was, the formative moment in his past, the one with the heart, uh, where his Play heart was... dumb jot, human. Yeah, yeah. No, where... that, that was tapestry. Oh. Deja Q is the one where Q admits Riker... No, wait, it's the one where Q loses his powers. I'm sorry. I forget which one... Oh, well, Q then. who? Q who was? Oh, no, wait. Now I'm doubting myself. Oh, oh well. Regardless, oh, you got it wrong. Quiz master. Quiz master. <laughs> you must double check your Listen, work. Listen, these Q episodes all sound, all sound the same. At any rate, you got yeah. it wrong because it wasn't the one where... You got it wrong was, because I say so and I'm the quiz master. Ugh. One of them is Q who you, and the other is Deja like. Q, but I can't remember which is which. Regardless, it's not the one oh, where no. Q takes him back in time. All right, number three, all family. Right. Okay. Okay. Data is reunited with Lore. Picard is reunited with his brother. The crew meets Tasha's sister, or Worf meets his brother, Kern. Ooh, that's not fair. That's super generic, and all of those plot threads have family in it, so that's evil. This is an evil question. Um, I'm just not strong enough in the Force to know this question. Um, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. I think this one has to do with Jean-Luc's family. So You are correct. Awesome. Sweet. Okay. All right, because we've already established Great. Data is reunited with Lore. Yeah. Well, I guess that was not reunited. That was united for the first time. So right, I guess exactly. That doesn't matter. All right, number four, Ethics. Okay. I picked the vaguest titles I could. No kidding. Ethics. <laughs> Space. No, Ethics. <laughs> Worf is paralyzed. O'Brien is reunited with a former commanding officer. Wesley must decide whether to tell the truth after an accident at the Academy, or Riker must decide whether to tell Picard the truth about a covered-up mission from his past. (laughs) You are really good at these. These are all actual plots, obviously. You remember all of them. I know, I remember all of them. Which of them was ethics? Honestly, I think that one was where Worf was contemplating suicide. Correct. Yes. I wondered what you the one where Worf would cont. I'm like, where are you going with this? Um, correct. He he had a very light 
empty barrel fall on his back and it paralyzed him for life. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> a big styrofoam barrel fell on his back yeah. and bounced off him very gently and yep. paralyzed him for life. Yeah. All right. Number five, mm-hmm. rel- relics. Okay. Okay. DeForest Kelly guest stars, Leonard Nimoy guest stars, George Takei guest stars, or James Doohan guest stars? Oh. Oh, that was a fun one, wasn't it? <gasps> now I'm doubting myself. Crap. You know what? I think it's James Doohan. You're right. Yes. So DeForest Kelly guest starred in which episode? The very beginning. Encounter at Farpoint, right? Leonard Nimoy guest starred in what? He, uh, the one with uh, Romulans and uh, he's trying to reform the Romulans so that they all coexist with the Vulcans. Right. What was the name? Now I'm blanking on the name. It started with an R. It was a two-parter. Was it, was it, it wasn't Redemption. It was Reconciliation or Reunion or something like that. No, Reunification was what they were trying to, was what was Spock's goal. But mm-hmm. that, was that the name of the episode? It might have been. God, I can't believe I'm blanking on that. But regardless, yes, you're right. George Takei did not guest star on an X-Gen episode. He guest starred on a Voyager episode. The one where they had to go, Janeway had to go inside Tuvok's mind because he was... Oh, right. It's being attacked by like this psychic right. parasite and that was making was... him relive past events or something. Cool, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of that episode. It was it was Voyager it was the, the episode that Voyager did to mark the thirtieth thirtieth anniversary of the franchise. So Deep Space Nine did Trials and Tribulations and Voyager yeah. did the one with George Takei. Right. And um and Michael Ansara, right? Because um mm-hmm. they had um whichever of the original Klingons. <laughs> uh Kang. Kang, that's right. Because the core is the one everybody remembers. He's yeah. the one that kept showing up on D Space Nine. I remember right, Kang. It was Kang. And then Col- <laughs> Koloth is the one, I guess, that doesn't have as much distinctive going on. All right. Number six, Journey's End. Okay. Ensign Rowe leaves the Enterprise. Wesley leaves Starfleet. O'Brien leaves the Enterprise. Or Tashi Yar is killed. I know. <laughs> After a long silence, that's the incisive take that you guys get from me, Gulia. <laughs> I'm torn. Um, I honestly, I think, oh man, this is tough because Ensign Rowe was really great and then she left and that was a great episode. Um, oh man. But that was under different circumstances because she was, she sort of turncoated and sided with her, with the rebellion, as it were, the Marquis, I think. The Marquis, um, the Marquis de Sade, the, the Maquis. Maquis, is that what they're called? Okay, sorry, I just spell it wrong in my head. <laughs> um, oh, but that was, you know what though? I'm gonna have to say it was Wesley leaving. Correct. Yes. He left to to was, journey with the traveler. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Ensign Rowe left in an. In a, I'm trying to, I can't remember the name of that episode now either, but yeah. it was uh, it was obviously not Journey's End. O'Brien leaving the Enterprise happened not in a Next Gen episode, but in Emissary, the pilot of Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. And Tashiar was killed in the first season episode, Skin of Evil. But yes, Journey's yeah. End was the one where Wesley left. So you did pretty good on that one. You got that one, you got I Relics, you got Ethics, one. you I got only Family. One. Yeah, you just got the Q1 wrong, mm-hmm. which is also the one that I couldn't remember the answer to, so <laughs> I can't really be too hard on you for that one. <laughs> in other words, I get a five out of five that matter. <laughs> All right, so Sweet, show, perfect so score sh- for Gulia. So shows. Yeah. We have a, a lot of big shows this week. We have the final episode of Star Wars Resistance. We have the first episode of Star Trek Picard. We have a really big episode of Doctor Who. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the backdoor pilot episode of Arrow. And then we have episodes of Black Lightning. We've got uh, the season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, if you don't count the Crisis episode, and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. So I know we probably don't want to go in chronological order because then we'll end up talking about some of the biggest ones first. So I don't know. Let's just just sort of tackle this in order of importance, perhaps. So Harley Quinn, Mm -hmm. this one's called The Seat at the Table. This is her having been admitted into the Legion of Doom and it continuing to sort of fray at her um, relationships between her and her existing crew, her friends, the people that actually care about her and not the sort of (laughs) manipulative social climbers in the Legion of Doom. Right. Um, Psycho and Clayface and King Shark get... um, get reduced to being hired goons for Bane. Yeah. And his plot to get back at like a, <laughs> a, a coffee vendor yeah. or something. Um, and uh, she, her relationship with Ivy takes another hit. And it even ends on a bit of a cliffhanger where Ivy's like captured. And I guess Harley's yeah. going to have to come to a rescue and sort of decide. And she kind of, she's tempted to, to get back with the Joker in this one. He kind of yeah. manipulates this her a is, little bit and then ultimately up. turns yeah. on her again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. some uh, Like continuing to have some actually rather um, affecting Mm-hmm. emotional moments in this ridiculous um know. you know curse word filled uh cartoon yeah it continues to be really good there's there's like i think what was this either episode eight or nine so it's four or five left mm-hmm. maybe we're about two-thirds of the way through the season so it's you know it's development the moment the the pacing of the show is good like i feel like yeah it feels like we're about two-thirds of the way through what you can imagine to be a very you know good satisfying story. arc yeah. for her mm-hmm. and then hopefully they get more seasons i mean the only dc universe show that's ended after one but with season every was Swamp single Thing, episode so. she learns something important um and, and yeah or at least her character has moved forward but right. it's like yeah you, even when she's sort of brought lower or the episode is about yeah. her not learning something you know that it's setting up her learning it later so there's not there's no wasted no you know, it's all part of a beats. very realistic like three-dimensional journey it's great it's it's a lot of fun no wasted beats also by the way is the name of my new food recycling center um i thought you were gonna say aquaman's um um pescatarian diet stop i'll stop so let's see so black unformed joke so black lightning yeah um so this is the first one after the crisis also it doesn't seem to have had as much of it, I mean, there's references to it, and you know, they're like, "Oh, we, you know, um, what's his name? Um, mustache, Mustache Man, Mustache, Mustache, Gamby, Gamby, Gamby." Um, <laughs> I'm like, there are a lot of mustaches in the show. Well, there's a lot of beards and scruff. I think no. Gamby's the only one who has a full-on. Who else has a who's just like a full-on handlebar mustache other than Gamby? Well, I mean, I mean, we're not talking about okay. <sighs> Like adjust a mustache because we've is got clearly the most important. Everybody with a beard also has a mustache. I have to remind no, you. No, that's not how. The, the, you should listen to this week's Robot or Not, which is I did. I did actually. <laughs> I um, did listen to that. So, yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, Jefferson tells him about about the crisis. Like, oh, you never. We we have no way of knowing what else has changed. Seemingly, nothing has changed. I mean, they're on a different Earth now. <laughs> but aside from that, there doesn't seem to be. Oh, no, I think the there's other, a little setup here for what. I think there's going to be some interesting fallout. Um. Uh, we're gonna have. Um, I mean, we haven't even caught up with all the characters yet. Like, if I know, to, exactly. Tobias Whale is like an octopus now or something. Then yeah. that would be a big change. But yeah, um, for example, I mean, that could be one. <laughs> Tobias Octopus is his new name. You actually. never know. Like his, I don't know. Um, the circumstances of his father's death might be completely different. Yeah, um, it's just any, any number of things. Could most be. of all the other episodes so far. Um, I think it'll be very important that Jennifer also remembers everything because here they don't have the same um well we'll get into this later as to how other characters in other shows get their memories back but they do not have the same uh 
I guess, friendship, I suppose you would say, to the Martian Manhunter. So he didn't go to Freeland um, to give everybody back their memories. Well, so I could, do we only, know that for sure? Yes, we do. Maybe, maybe, he, couldn't, maybe he couldn't get into the dome through the probably. force shield. Yeah, probably. Well, he could probably phase through it, you would think. Very, you would he could think. phase down through the Where ground. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a bit of a... Eh, why would he? But why would he not do that for them? I mean, he... Because because they didn't fight in the crisis because the the, the I guess. As, as it's a weird arbitrary line to draw but the line of dialogue in one of the shows was oh he's gone around to all of the people that helped us fight in the crisis and restored their memories right so weird line to draw perhaps but that would explain why he did it for Jefferson but not for everybody else you know Inessa and Jennifer and right. you know everybody else whereas over like on Supergirl theoretically Lena Alex. Mm-hmm. you know Nia theoretically those characters at one Brainy, point or another in the crisis did contribute yeah. yeah it does seem like a bit of a weird line to draw but yeah. you know so Plus, I, guess I, I guess he knows all of his friends I don't know yeah he barely did even meet. yeah he must have met Jefferson because they were there together in the Hall of Justice like so they once. must have had some yeah. dialogue you know they must have talked even though we didn't see it on screen right um yeah, but it's but basically there hasn't been there's lip service played to it, but we haven't really seen much evidence of changes yet. The story is pretty much proceeding. It's not like Supergirl or to a lesser extent Batwoman so far where there's there's clearly the you know there's like the the direction the story was going in is yeah. taking a sharp turn because mm-hmm. of the crisis. Right. Legends, you know, is always kind of all over the place. So right here the the fall in Legends to to sort of segue to that the fallout here from Crisis is more to do with Sarah's emotional state and not so much changes to the timeline or anything like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, this was a fun episode of Legends. This one was sort of done documentary style um, where it's like a camera crew following them around because they're the, the big exciting thing now after they save the world from magical creatures at the end of the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, did we finish talking about Black Lightning? Yeah. Did you have more to say about it? I was going from... Well, I from, mean, we, we talked about Gamby's mustache. We talked about... <laughs> I don't know what else... Well, no, it's established. It's an interesting thing. Like, we continue to see Lynn with her addiction, fighting her addiction. That Those scenes were really affecting, I yeah, thought. Yeah, <laughs> Jefferson, like, sl- Jefferson, like, slips, slips down the stairs. I wonder if that was a... I wonder if that was a... When he's, like, chasing yeah, her. I yeah. wonder if that was a goof and they just left it in because it makes him seem that much more... Desperate. Well, and, yeah, like like he's... He's kind of coming apart a little bit. Like yeah. he's been pulled in too many different directions and he's like, doesn't, he can't, can't even walk down a flight of stairs properly anymore. But um, no, I thought that was important. But I mean, there, I thought those scenes with um, like um, just confronting her addiction yeah, those were, were so really, yeah. really wonderful. Um, I also thought that, um, I thought that it was important that, um, I'm thinking of the actress's name and now I can't remember, Jennifer, uh, the character's Jennifer. Um, her scene with Odell and her decision to side with her family was very important as well. I also thought it was a little bit of a machination that she gets one syringe to establish the fact that uh, not everybody is stable in this post whatever happened. Well, they it weren't stable. They weren't stable. They weren't stable before. I mean, but they, I don't know why they, they all of a sudden not. Oh, you're saying that? Okay, okay. The pod kids were never only the only pod kids that were fully stabilized were the one the ones that Lynn got to work with, you know, yes. hands on. Yeah. So but this this guy that Jennifer's hanging out with was a pod kid. He but, was because I thought his mother was no. He was just born. Well, so so maybe there maybe that that instability is passed on. Like her genes weren't stabilized, and so his aren't either. I guess I don't know. Like it's but it's I don't all know why it would man- exactly it would manifest so conveniently now, and then he gets saved, and then the poor kid. Who- well, that's that's plot, and I think that's just a plot contrivance. Yeah. Like it happened now because now is when it's convenient for the I characters' know. arcs. But I really like the kid that 
I like the relationship between the kid, um, TC, he calls himself. Oh, yeah, and, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And I Gamby. forgot about that. Um, that's nice. Yeah. I, I, I like those relationships. I like where it's all going, and I feel bad that, you know, now we need a syringe for that guy all of a sudden. Um, yeah, it's it's got a lot of story threads that I'm excited to see where they go. Yeah. So I didn't want to just brush over the show because it's actually really, really good. Much as one would brush Gamby's mustache. Um, <laughs> With a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, but Legends was a lot of fun too. Yeah, it seems like it seems like they're writing Mona off the show, which I think, I think that is, was an I interesting is, way to do is, it. Yeah, but I think that that's I think that's what they're doing because she was credited as a guest star guest and star, not yeah. as a regular. Mm-hmm. I was um, like, so that's, that's fine. That's she kind her of going she away, kind of read as a she kind of read as a one season character to me anyway. I was yeah. surprised she became as important as she did. She's great though. Lots of love and empathy and yeah. sweetness. But I think the cast could stand to be pared down a little. If you've got if you got down to the main six or seven now, and it's like Ava is seemingly a full time member of the crew now, because the time yeah. bureau doesn't really Exist. isn't really a thing yeah. anymore. But I'm not sure you need like her and Gary and Mona. You don't need like half of the crew of the Wave Rider to be like ca- Former cast time off people. time bureau yeah, agents yeah. with no no superpowers. You mm-hmm. know, I guess Mona did have superpowers. Um, yeah, and there's some some interesting Constantine stuff in this one. Um, and I hear they, they have to fight, um, Rasputin. Is it Rasputin? Yeah. Um, the hey, seemingly hey, these, o- these encores of people that were machine. freed by, um, Astra. Yep. Right. At the end of the last season. So we're going to, this season is going to be about them taking on these sort of immortalized, um, undead historical villains, Yes. you know? Yeah. As you do. You could see how they could do like, oh, well, Genghis Khan or Hitler or whoever, you know? Yeah. Um, John Wilkes Booth. I don't know whoever you're. Yeah, not great. Jimmy Carter. You know the worst of history's villains. Yep. <laughs> history's yep. greatest monsters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it was fun. So let's see. Da, 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 da. Um. So uh, Arrow, the backdoor pilot, Green Arrow and the Canary. That so was this great. is our first glimpse into the new post-crisis future, where Mia grew up as Mia Queen. Yes. Because she was presumably allowed to. I mean. I'm trying to think of what the difference was there. She was still raised by Felicity, but I guess not in not not in secret anymore. I yeah. suppose, mm-hmm. and I guess we'll see in the final episode of Arrow what the status quo will be in the present if Felicity comes out of hiding or something. Maybe that'll explain it. But she's explicitly Mia Queen in this now, and she's clearly grown up accustomed to wealth, not living in a cabin fending yeah. for herself and becoming mm-hmm. a cage fighter. Right? Um, JJ is seemingly a good guy now yep. and proposes to her in this one. We get a brief little scene of Connor where mm-hmm. he's like, now he's the, he's, he's the, he's the, the loser off. brother. Yeah. Um, we see, uh, we see um, William and Zoe briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a bit more of William than of Zoe. Zoe's just really in that one scene. Um, and it's about Dinah and Laurel who have, in Dinah's case, she's seemingly been erased from history and, and dropped here by someone. Maybe we'll get more hints about that in the, in the final episode of Arrow. Because she does say it happened after Oliver's funeral. And we see, we're see we going to see Oliver's funeral in the final episode. So she'll uh, be there for that. And then maybe okay. we'll see her disappear. Maybe we'll see who takes her. Who knows? And Laurel apparently got from hel- some help from the legends to come mm-hmm. and come to this time. Partially, I guess, to find Dinah, but also because, you know, her the the... Her little tablet there tells her that shortly after 2040, things go really bad for Star City and she doesn't want to see Oliver's legacy tarnished that way. Right. So they're going to put together their own little... It's really a Birds of Prey show in all but name. They're literally operating out of a big building with a clock on it. They're literally operating out of a clock tower. And there's a Bertinelli in this episode too. I don't know if she's going to become a recurring character if the the spinoff gets picked up or not. But you've got... And she threw a punch. I guess you don't have a Gordon, but you've got got several lances. What was her name? What? 
the the Bertinelli girl that got killed. Obviously, it wasn't Helena because no, like, I don't we would have said the name. we would have recognized that instantly. But what was her name? Yeah. Well, anyway, she was yeah. a member of the family. And but got, this yeah. was good. I mean, she's they they use and it's kind of like how. Um, after the first few times they traveled to different Earths, Cisco just came up with that little gizmo so yeah. they could basically just get their lickety split without having to spend time on it. Yep. Here, instead of ha- explaining how Jean would have to go around and give everybody back their memories, he just apparently, they've got this little device now where you can slap it on you and it gives you back the, all your pre-crisis memories. P- yeah. So they give that to weird. Mia. She's not, now she's got two sets of memories rolling around in there. So it's interesting for her character and also it's, it's gratifying for us, the audience, not to have to start from zero with this character. The fact that we've yes. invested time with her over the past two years, mm-hmm. getting to know her life history now she's got that back so Mm -hmm. she has you know she can call upon it'd be interesting to see her sort of switch from like oh now i'm going to be the socialite and now i'm going to be like this but that's exactly what we did see yeah we saw this in the episode i I liked it it. i don't know it it didn't really feel like she was flipping a switch in her head just that she was like acting one way or acting another it'd be kind of cool to see like she's she herself is being pulled in different directions because she's got two different life histories in her head so maybe she like forgets who she is it you know what i mean like she's like i well, she's trying I mean, to be she one was way, disoriented. She... Now, hang on a sec. I think, honestly, that the pilot established that she was messed up for a little while by it. Yeah, and obviously, hold on. And that, to be hold on. And that end. she's, yeah, and that she's emotionally conflicted by it. But the memory didn't damage her brain, you know? Like, the, the, it's, it's something she has to emotionally reconcile, but it's not something that, like, will give her some sort of, like, she, she, she can't function normally because of it. So I like, I really appreciate that mission that they were doing to sneak into the office to get something off of the computer. And she uses her socialite standing to get them in, obviously, but then also to sort of pass by the the very VIP section of whatever was going on and then uses her stealth part to, um, you know, collect whatever information she needed to. And I thought that was like the hint of what we're going to see is the combination, the duality it working in sync together rather than at odds against each other. I, yeah. I kind of prefer it that way. I guess I just, I, I would be interesting if they did more of like a Battlestar Galactica or Dollhouse thing where it's like the Cylons and Battlestar Galactica. I know, I think that... that- they, you know, they they thought they were human. They grew up with one set of memories right. and then they got triggered and they could they would like do this other thing without even like understanding why they were doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it'd be interesting to see her Which being, will come up again being in, in social being in like socialite mode, but yeah. then like like we see when she first gets her memories here and she acts really like she practically attacks. Yeah, people, that's what I'm know? saying. That's what I'm saying. But I feel like that was supposed to be a, that was presented as being like a sort of a one off thing that she's now kind of exactly gotten over. But it would be interesting to see if she has like little flare ups of that where she she can't keep her two lives or she makes a mistake, right? Like yeah. she sees someone and she forgets. Like she's calling upon the wrong set of memories, and so she makes like a verbal slip up at an important moment. Like she she refer she's she's talking to someone that she's supposed to be like ingratiating herself to for the mission but she yeah. calls upon the wrong set of memories and she she gets their life history wrong or something like right. it'd be interesting to see if her memories are because con- it would be kind of confusing you know right, if right. you remember two different you know 13th birthdays that you had two different graduations that you had right and you remember the wrong one at an inconvenient time and it screws up a mission or something like that right right, right. but i don't know if they're going to do that but yeah i feel like it's an interesting concept for the show where they've got this this threat out there some female villain you know Mm -hmm. that is pulling the strings and organized the kidnapping and is supposedly behind whatever's going to happen yep um and they've got to stop it but i mean it's not the most interesting unique setup in the world i mean what what carries it to the fact that these are characters that were supposed to be invested in already right and we want to see their continuing adventures in this and we see what what this new future is like you know yeah but I, I, the premise of like, oh, there's a criminal mastermind out there who's got it in for Star City is not the most original thing in the world. But it doesn't really have to be. Like, 
it's just supposed to sure you know it's going to deepen as it goes on i thought it was really nice and also one last thing that i'll mention is um juliana huckabee (laughs) juliana huckabee that's it is it huckabee no I didn't say Huckabee. I said Huckabee. You wanted to, though. It was har- It's Harkavee. Harkavee. Okay, so Harkavee I got it right. Harkavee with a V. Har- Harkavee? Whatever. Girl can sing. Yes. She's great. She's fantastic. Holy crap. Like, that was really mind-blowingly really beautiful singing. I just wanted to throw that out there. Great going. Yes. Yeah. So, Star Wars Resistance, the final episode. This was this was this was a really good ending. This felt like emotionally satisfying. It had some really some really cool action sequences. All the all the bad guys got what was coming to them, you know. Mm-hmm. Tam gets her redemption and is welcomed back into the fold. All the citizens of the Colossus have to finally choose to stand up and fight against the First Order instead of continuing to run, you know. Yep. And they mount their little civilian yeah. defense of the Colossus against the First Order. Yep. Um, uh, Kaz and Yeager go and rescue Tam, and then the whole the Star Destroyer gets <laughs> gets blown up, and thousands upon thousands yeah. of Imperial soldiers are killed. That's fine, including anyway. Elijah Wood. Yeah, well, that's fine. They knew what they were signing yeah. up for. Um, but yeah, this was a good, this was a, a satisfying conclusion. And they, they welcome her back and they all go to the, the bar at the end and yep. they have drinks and they're all one big team. I mean, the, the, I love that she's being still racked with guilt. Like, I think that that uh, speaks to. Yeah, it's, it's nice that she it's was a contrite. Good characterization. I mean, you could have written it where she comes back and she's like, yeah, I realized I was wrong, but I still blame you and for the you way you treated oh, me. Yeah. So she's still going to act. Like the aggrieved party here. And she right. did have a bit of a moment where she, where she was reunited with Yeager for the first time. Right. And she's like, you know, you still did lie to me and I'm still not thrilled about that. <laughs> but then it's kind of like right. they've got bigger fish to fry after that. So they don't really dwell on it. And clearly, emotionally speaking, they're all, you know, one big family by the mm-hmm. end. It would have been nice to see them, you know, meet up with the resistance and have one more appearance from Poe or Leia or yeah. something like that. But, you know, we know from episode nine that they show up for the big battle at the end. And so we can imagine that they exactly. either have further exactly. adventures with the resistance over the next year or so, or they, they st- you know, sort of stay out of the way for a while and have their happy life and then only come when Lando's call goes out in episode mm-hmm. nine to come and join the big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably get more. So I guess we'll know eventually there'll be a comic or a book or something that'll explain what happens to these characters over that time. But but yeah, I, I thought it was really good. It was emotionally satisfying and seeing seeing everything come together here felt, you know, yep. like it was, it, was, it was affecting. Like it's not the deepest show in the world, but I feel like they tied it all together really nicely and it was a really, really satisfying ending. I agree. So yeah, that was great. So Doctor Who, let's leave let's leave Picard for last. So Doctor Who. So last week's episode was um, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Yes. This was this was fun. I feel like this is much better than the the um, Orphan Planet episode from last week. This one was fun. I um, thought the Scorpion uh, bad guys looked a lot like the arachnids that the Tenth Doctor had to face that David Tennant had in like his second episode or something. The oh the arachnids. I think it was the yeah yeah I think well it was that's actually that's what we were talking about we were talking yeah it was we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and in fact people said oh the arachnids are coming back because the villains in this ep- the the villain the female villain yeah. in this episode looked almost exactly like the arachnids queen from the runaway bride but it's not and so uh, apparently well, apparently not but i mean the people i was listening to on the podcast were saying they, they could have had a line in there where they're like oh you're you know i know your species your cousins to some right. spider monsters that i fought a few years ago or something but they didn't have anything like that in there so that's all you know headcanon if you want to imagine those two races are related in some I way yes um they did look very similar though yeah yeah but this was fun i think that um I've always liked, I'm, I'm going to probably mispronounce his name, Goran Viznich or, or however you pronounce his name, but mm-hmm. I've liked him ever since I saw him on ER. He was on ER for like five or six years, um, playing a very different character. Um, what are you giving me that Who look for? Who was he in this? Nikola Tesla? Are you kidding me? 
just because he was wearing a little mustache? Yes. We even talked before about how he was going to be on the show. Well, nice to see that he nice to see that he disappeared into the role for you. He, oh God, that's hilarious! Oh my God. Anyway, I was looking for him too. He was underneath the mustache. This is a very mustache-heavy episode. It was the hair and the accent, perhaps. Oh my God! And the old-timey clothes. Anyway, I liked him ever since uh, I watched him for years on ER, playing a very, very different cow- character there. He was always very, like, dour and morose because his entire family had yeah. been killed in a war. Yeah. Um, but over the course of the, those years on ER, he kind of, like, opened up again and found new love and so on. It was nice. Um, and I haven't seen him in others. I know that he was on the, uh, the that Matt Lanter um, time travel show, Timeless, I think it was called. He was, like, the big bad on that for those two seasons that it was on. Um <laughs> I think was he in? He was. He's been in a couple of movies or something. Like he's he's had a successful career, but it's it's cool to see him on this playing a very different character. I thought he was he was super good in this. He really was. Nice, he was really really great. charming, <laughs> like a really enjoyable, like relatable character. Yeah. Like you feel for his plight, you know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, history overlooks you know overlooks him and yeah. so on. I also thought they did a pretty good job with Edison. By not making him like a mustache twirly. First of all, he didn't have a mustache, unlike every other character we're right. talking about this week. Um, <laughs> But not making him an out-and-out villain, just portraying him as kind of like, kind of like a um, a ruthless businessman. Well, I wouldn't say ruthless though, because when his employees no, he was were ruthless. In, no, he was ruthless as a, his in his in in his business tactics. He is ruthless. Yeah. But when his employees were in danger and when they were being killed, he was he was torn up about it. Like he he was he was concerned about them and he was like he was sad when That's they died. True. He's like I you know I just had dinner I with this man's these, family. Yeah. Now I've got to tell his wife. He wasn't portrayed as being a heartless monster. That would be a little too two-dimensional to paint him that way. True. He was portrayed as being like it's it's the it's the two sides of the coin. What I was thinking of is kind of like the Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs thing, hmm. where you've got the person who who only cares about the work, you know, and and forwarding the you know forwarding the state of the art and and improving the world. And both Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak kid about but improving the world. But Steve Jobs was the guy who didn't actually do a lot of the work himself but rather was like the big picture guy yeah the say more like the, the salesman and the businessman okay. and he could be ruthless at, in, in his own way also a lot of the time yeah but then you got steve wozniak who's the guy that just who cares about the work who cares about the science and cares about you know contributing to the to this to the the pool of the shared pool of knowledge of computing you know yeah. what i mean yeah um and so here you and the analogy is not perfect, but here you've got Edison, who is a, a, a brilliant man, but is, like you say, a ruthless businessman and is not above, you know, stealing other people's inventions and, you know, cares more about the business side of things than science for science's sake, for right. furthering humanity. Yep. One could argue that history needs people like Edison and Steve Jobs as much as they need people like Tesla, because it's one thing to invent something, but unless you can actually put it in the hands produce of it and get it into people's hands and explain to them why they want it and sell it to people, it's yep. not going to change history, right? So you need both you need both people. And, you know, it's it's very easy to for your sympathies to lie with Tesla in this episode, and obviously I think they're supposed to, but I like that they didn't portray uh, Edison is like this horrible monster where he like he sides with the aliens yeah, and tries yeah, to like you exactly. know he was he was helping Yaz save the people at the end there and you know like, exactly. I, I like that aspect of it. Um, yeah, I thought this was fun. I thought this was a fun like it wasn't like a pure historical like say Rosa was, but it was more like a sci-fi historical like Demons of the Punjab where there's like a real historical thing that happened. Yes, but then there's like this alien influence that's mm-hmm. exerting itself there, and they've got a fight yeah. that off yeah I, th- I thought it was a lot of fun i enjoyed this one one I could agree. one could quibble with the fact that the doctor didn't want 
Edison to use a gun, and yet she's okay with using Tesla to like blow up the alien ship with a huge electric death ray. But whatever. That's always been a weird Doctor Who quirk that where the Doctor doesn't want people to use weapons, but... She'll turn anything into a okay, weapon? They're, they're okay with using like big sci-fi special effects to like blow up ships, but they don't want their companions to use guns to shoot individual people. It's always been this weird tension in the character that's never really made a lot of sense, but it's always been that way. Right. Um, but then this week's episode, I feel like, is the, is the big one. So this one was uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon. Yes. Um, so I guess the two big things to talk about this one, it's funny because I, I was hearing people saying it's true that, that it, you know it's a big episode when the return of Captain Jack yes. to the show for the first time in like 10 years is like the second or third most important thing that happens in this yeah. episode. Um, but Captain Jack is back. Um, gets kind of. maybe like five minutes of screen time, yeah. But it's a fun scene. He gets to ki- he gets to kiss Bradley Walsh <laughs> and uh, confuse pretty much everybody for the Doctor, yeah, and flirt with pretty much everybody, yeah. Um, before giving them this dire warning about the lone Cyberman and disappearing, presumably to be seen again next season. Hopefully. Um, no, I mean you know that's you know they have plans to bring him back. Like they, you don't I know, you don't I throw know. this in there and like it could be a year, it could be a long payoff, but you know that they're going to bring him back for yeah. whatever culmination of this is. Um. But the big thing here is that they they pulled a um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the one that had uh, Derek Jacoby in it as the as Professor Yan, who later became the Master. Oh yes. Or Human Nature, Family of Blood, where you had the tenth Doctor under um, uh, having oh, erased right. his own memories and living in in pre World War One era there. Um, with Martha, the only one that remembered who he really was, and then he has to regain his memories at the end to fight them off. Do you remember? That was like the best. Two, I don't remember that part of, one. You remember the one where he and Martha were undercover in, in like a pre-World War One era um, boarding school? And there were these aliens that were attacking and he didn't remember who he was. Oh, yeah. He had erased his own memories. Oh, yeah. I do remember because, that. Because, that's right. And he fell in love with somebody and then he yes, had... Yes, Jessica Rain's right. character. And then, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And then he had to regain his memories at the end and fight them off. And then we discover it, he wasn't hiding because he, he was afraid of these aliens. He was hiding because he knew that... He knew that what he would do to them, you know, like it, right. it was, he was trying to protect them from himself, you know, because yes. he knew that his the, the the way that he would have to deal with them would be so brutal. He would rather he would rather erase his, his own his, memory his, and his hide. Own memories and hide rather than, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. And so it's like it's the com- the, the chameleon arch is, yes. the, is the conceit that's used here. And it's the same. That's what he used there. And it's the same conceit as the fob watch that Derek Jacoby had before he regained his memories as the and master. Be, yeah. Became um, the master. But here it's interesting because we get, I mean, we get a new incarnation of the Doctor. And we'll, we can talk about how that's possible, several theories about how that might be possible. But here it's kind of the interesting reverse because, well, I guess it is kind of similar to the human nature family of blood because there Martha, the companion, was the only person that knew what was really going on. And here it's similar. This guy, Lee, mm-hmm. who, is, who, is, who is living the life of, um, what, what was the name of... Um, Ruth, right? Yes. I want to say Rosa because yes, I was Ruth. thinking of the Rosa episode. Um, Ruth, living the life as Ruth's, Ruth's husband, mm-hmm. um, but is presumably her companion? Because, I mean, when, when, the, when the evil lady no. kills him, says, ah, faithful companion. And we're not supposed to know. We're like, oh, that's just a word, right? But That in, is in just retrospe- a word, but do you know why? Because he was, he, he, was, he was not a human. He was not. Well, we don't know. No, I mean, we do had, know. You know why we he know? He was something. No, he, he oh. You missed a well, whole he had the bio, he had the bio shield up too. Bio shield up exactly, but here's the thing though. First off, he's the protector. Second off, he is assigned to her. And third off, he produced a broken medal that can only be er, uh, earned on Gallifrey. 
Right, but we don't. But he's he's a time lord, same as same as the doctor. That doesn't well. It depends how you define companion, I guess. Right, right? exactly. The doctor has had companions before. But that's why the word is important because it was a companion, but it was still a member of of the time lord. Sure, race, but I just but I think it's who inter- knew who Ruth was. No, I I understand all that, but I what I think is interesting here that unlike in Human Nature, Family of Blood, where Martha was pretending to be like a chambermaid or something, right, yeah. um, and was looked <laughs> down on, great. looked down on because of her race, and you know wasn't. Was and only, station was only peripheral would only peripherally interact with the doctor in mm-hmm. his like you know memory erase state there here this companion has gone so like did he actually have feelings for her or was this all was their marriage just purely part of this cover was was this a situation I think for him it was both was this a situation where a companion and the like did she love him back like did a companion did. and doctor literally well well we don't know because as soon as she because he's he's out of the picture by the time she regains her memories and from that point on she's like all business right right yeah her personality true. changes completely I know so so we, there's still so much we don't know was this the doctor and a companion that fell in love and decided to hide away on Earth and have her and have her memories erased so that but they could exactly sort of live the off the point. grid or. But that's exactly the point of this entire episode. It's supposed to bring up these questions. Yeah, but I just think it's interesting. Like, was it was it all an act? Was was their was their life as a married couple as rule as as real as it seemed to her? Yeah. In her in her human guise, mm-hmm. an act from from his perspective, or did they did they literally fall in love and choose to hide here? Like, I just find it's really interesting. Like, unlike Martha, who was sort of like a side character in that story. Yeah. Like here, the the companion, the only person that remembers what's really going on, has seemingly become romantically involved with his doctor, and they're living this life for years, possibly, right? Yep. Like she said, she's been living here for however many years since she moved away from that lighthouse. Who knows how much of that is real memories and how much of that is the fake memories? Yeah. But the TARDIS was buried at that lighthouse, so yes, she must was. have started there, and then so maybe she's been living this life for. 10 years or whoever long now who knows right yeah i mean that would just be a drop in the bucket compared to the doctor's overall lifespan i just find it it's really interesting we might never get these answers obviously we're going to see her again who knows whether we'll see lee again or get any clarification on that whole deal Mm -hmm. you know um but the logistics of how we could have so just just speaking purely from like a continuity perspective for a second the idea that we could have this never before seen incarnation of the doctor obviously has precedent and that precedent is the war doctor yes but in that case a couple of things were different. One, the doctor ha- never never lost those memories. He remembered being the war doctor. He just didn't like to think about it because of the horrible things he had to do in the time war. And he never told anybody about it. Yep. And he didn't count that as one of his doctor lives because right, the war right. doctor didn't even consider himself to be the doctor because of the things that he had to do. Right. And as far <clears> as logistically fitting it into the succession of regenerations, we never saw Paul McGann regenerate into Christopher Eccleston mm-hmm. because Paul McGann only got that one TV movie that didn't was a failed pilot and then the next time we saw the doctor it was the first episode of the the reboot with Christopher yes. Eccleston yep. and there was no connection there and so we assumed that one right. regenerated into the other but because we never saw it there was a gap there that Stephen Moffat could then fill mm-hmm. he first he wrote the short webisode where we saw Paul again regenerate into into Right. I almost said John Hurt. Wrong Hurt, right? William. No, wait. Which one? No, it is John, John Hurt. John Hurt, yeah. <laughs> Too many Hurts. <laughs> uh, we saw him regenerate to John Hurt. And then, of course, at the end of the day of the Doctor, John Hurt starts to regenerate. And we see like a little bit of CG Christopher Eccleston face in there. And so the loop is complete. Here it's different because there's seemingly no easy place to slot this Doctor in, whatever we're going to call her. The only So there's a couple of possibilities. One could be that it's Dr. like... Dr. Ruth. 
It's right there. <laughs> yeah, but that's just like, you know, that's her human name that wasn't her real name. I don't I Maybe know. that's what the fans are going to call her for lack of something better to call her. I know. Her, I I'm sorry. I made the internet a, a worse name. place. I try to keep things um I try to keep things positive in here. <laughs> so either she's from so I, I, there's a, a couple of ways they could do it. They could say that she's the doctor from some like some alternate timeline or something or Well, some that's what I universe. proposed. I was telling you that there are two yeah. things that are either happening, right? Because the master was really heartbroken by something that that the entire Gallifreyan species was keeping secret or the council had buried somehow. And he was truly just devastated by it to the point of reaching a point of psychotic anger and destroying the planet anew. Um, so whatever that secret is has to has everything to do with this. So my proposition was one, either they suppressed the memory of one incarnation of like a, a generation of time lords or whatever because this presumably happened to everybody across the board i'm thinking that something that the council did um sort of deleted somebody's reincarnation or the entire existence of another of another life or two it goes even further where the time lords i was thinking that what if the time lords can go beyond just time and space? What if they can also do like multiple timelines and uh, traverse as a species, like they can traverse multiple threads in time? That would kind of make sense because if you travel into the future, there's multiple possible futures. So why not extrapolate that and go to multiple tra- uh, possible pasts? Yeah, I don't uh, just kind of bounce around back and forth and really live on another dimension. I don't think it's that. And apparently, Chibnall has said that there, it's not some sort of alternate timeline or thing like this. Okay. Is an this is an incarnation of our doctor, the, our doctor from somewhere in the doctor's past. And that's the only exactly question is when. Right. And so I was I was I think I was thinking a little too broadly. That's a little bit weird, but that's fine. Um and so that's what I was thinking is that the the council must have deleted the existence of an entire life. But then it gets kind of sticky, right? Because different people like different generations exist across the same amount of time. So it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, so did he, did the council step on everybody's one particular generation? Like the third regeneration of every single person no longer exists, um, no matter when it took place? Or is it like during it a specific enough, it period It wouldn't be enough to erase time? the memories though, because we've literally seen the regenerations yes, happen. I know, so. I know, I know. I know this so is why it's the, the up only questions. the only the only possibilities unless it's something way out of left field mm-hmm. like alternate timelines or whatever which Chibnall has said it's not it, but it showrunners lie so come on yeah but I feel Still like in this, in this case if you're presenting a mystery I feel like if the writer does an interview and he's like defining the boundaries of the mystery right, I right. feel like here's the probably not likely to here's the perimeter of the sandbox you can play because if you Got invite it. the fans these diehard fans to speculate along a certain direction At least and then don't you later come along them. a year yeah. later and say sorry I lied about it, and you just spend a, you just waste a year yeah. of your life speculating in the wrong you direction were digger- no, yeah you were digging in the wrong just, site just yeah. don't comment on it at that point yeah. don't comment on it only to only to you know cut off a line of thinking that then you're lying about like just don't just don't that's not do that in yeah that's not fair that that's not right yeah um so either either it's either they're wrong and this is a version of the doctor from the future mm-hmm. which doesn't seem possible because she doesn't recognize the sonic screwdriver she doesn't have memories of gallifrey being destroyed either time so that doesn't seem possible right or since the doctor is technically on their second regeneration cycle now, right? Because mm-hmm. the 11th doctor was the last of the first regeneration cycle, then in. Um, technically? Yeah. Well, technically, yes. No, 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 no. Because, I mean, where does the war doctor fit in? It, obviously in the first regeneration cycle, but did we count? Yes. 
Okay. It's it's counted. This is this has all been well established. You've okay. just forgotten that the yeah, right. time lords okay. can regenerate twelve times, yes. which means they get thirteen lives. Yes. The reason why the eleventh doctor was the last of his lives is because the war doctor has to be included, and also David Ch- David Tennant had an um, sort of aborted half regeneration at one point in his run, where he created that splinter meta crisis doctor that went off to I live a happily ever after with Rose. Right, because he that was just because his hand was cut off at the right. exact moment but they when he established, was regeneration. What, what Moffat did is he kind of retconned it and said that that counted as a regeneration. Like, oh. like the 10th Doctor basically wasted one of his regenerations, um, which is how he could write it in such a way that the 11th Doctor was the... But that was done against his will. Well, well The I'm, master ca- listen, captured his hand. Whatever, but okay. he chose to regenerate, use some regeneration energy to get his hand back, and then that, you know, that counted as... He, he basically blew one of his oh, regenerations wow. on that, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, so that, but that was, this was all made, this is all in the text. This okay. was all made explicit all right. in the, in the, in Matt Smith's last episode, that he was the, he was the last of that regeneration cycle. Cause even though he's the 11th doctor and they get 13 lives, the war doctor slots in between the eighth and the ninth and the 10th doctor wasted one of his regenerations. Okay. That was how they explained it. But then the time Lords, uh, as a reward for the doctor for saving them in the 50th, granted him a new regeneration cycle. So he gets 12 more regenerations. And Dude, then, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking, wait, one of them did waste a regeneration, but wait, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. It was the other I've way got around. This, I've got this straight. Okay. You're going to have to trust right. me on this if okay. you don't remember it. So, Sorry, I was remembering the the uh, somebody saved somebody, but I I was wrong. I thought the doctor saved River Song, but it was the other way around. River Song gave him yeah, she gave up some of her life or some whatever. Some of her regeneration. Um, no, all of her future regeneration. Yeah, it was so that was it. It's not pertinent. Um, so the so the my bad. So Sorry. Peter Capaldi was the first of a new regeneration cycle, and now Jodie Whittaker is the second. So they have many many lives left. Sure. So it is established that that time lords can be given a new regeneration cycle so i guess the the one possibility is that the william hartnell doctor while the first doctor was not the first was maybe like the first of 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 a regeneration cycle right but they had perhaps a whole other regeneration cycle or or many prior regeneration cycles that they just don't remember for whatever reason right and so the first doctor could stay the first doctor but technically that person has potentially had many other lives that were that have been taken from them by the yes. Time Lords or whatever mm-hmm. because they have to... Maybe you get a regeneration cycle where you have to like live your life out in ser- service to the Time Lords yeah, and do like, like horrible things. But then as a reward, you're given a, a second set of regenerations where you can live whatever life you want or something like that. Because it needs to be something that's like a fundamental... What the Master framed it as is like a fundamental lie at the core of Time Lord yes. society that he could not abide, right? right? And it has something to do with this phrase, the timeless child. So who knows that's poetic and everything who knows how how that plays into anyway that's one possibility a very sort of fanish theory that still to me seems like it would connect a lot of these dots has to do with this theory that has to do with um what's called season 6b which is something i was sort of familiar with but just had my memory refreshed about today as i was listening to a podcast so the second doctor patrick troughton um, at the end of his, in his final episode, the Time yep. Lords basically, he's in a position where he's being judged by the Time Lords. He's going to be exiled to Earth. His TARDIS is going to be taken away and he's going to be forced to regenerate. Mm-hmm. So we see him sort of swir- we see him like sort of falling into this black void and he's, his face is starting to contort as he's regenerating. Very next Doctor Who episode, um, John Pertwee mm-hmm. stumbles out of the TARDIS mm-hmm. um, having regenerated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So technically, we don't see that. We don't see the second Doctor to third Doctor regeneration happen. 
It's just implied that it happens in between those two episodes. Right. Now, later, Patrick Troughton comes back as the second doctor for some sort of multi-doctor team-up stories. Sure. And there, he's visibly older, of course, because the actor aged. Sure. But he's visibly older than he ever was decades ago when he regenerated. Right. And so, there, and he also referred to events that he, that he um, adventures or, or missions, rather, that he was sent on by like this Time Lord... CIA basically oh. secret missions that he was sent on that he's that he doesn't talk about and that his future in- incarnations that he interacts with in these multi-doctor stories don't have any memory of oh. so the fans had this theory that instead of the Pat- instead of the second doctor immediately regenerating into the third yes that instead he was like like ha- something something happened mm-hmm. where he either regenerated or didn't yep went on a series of secret missions for the Time Lords, and who knows how much, how much time was spent on that. Yeah, and then regenerated into the Third Doctor. Cool. So, and so this the, that happened at the end of Series Six that he was forced to regenerate. And so there's this this why this 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 missing these missing adventures are cheekily dubbed Season Six B by the fans. Is because oh, I see. There's this like secret <laughs> secret half secret addendum to season six that we that never got to is... see where he went on secret missions for the time lords can i now this would line up pretty well just let me finish my thought mm-hmm. here. this would line up remarkably well with what we're seeing here yeah, exactly because there's an implied that the doctor this doctor had to do some things that she wasn't proud of on behalf of gallifrey yep but she wanted no part of it anymore and fled Left. yeah the second doctor did have a sonic screwdriver but it wasn't like the iconic sonic screwdriver that we know. Like he only used it for a couple of minor things a couple of times yeah, in his yeah. tenure. Mm-hmm. So this doctor, if she follows after the second, would not necessarily recognize a sonic screwdriver by name or to see it or by what it does because it wasn't really a thing right. for Patrick Troughton. Um, it would explain why this version of the TARDIS looks closer to the original version with the round things on the right. wall and the more austere look and you know monochrome and everything. Yep. Um, it would explain, obviously, why she remembers Gallifrey is still existing and the Time Lord still being a thing and yep. all that other stuff. Why she doesn't remember, you know, events from like the new series or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. So it would it would connect a lot of those dots. It doesn't fit perfectly because you'd have to imagine that, you know, they forced Patrick Troughton to regenerate into this actress. Joe Martin is her name. She had some series of adventures, perhaps even other regenerations, yeah. where she worked under the auspices of this Time Lord secret agency. But then, I guess, t- was turned back into Patrick Troughton so he could team up with future Doctors and then regenerated into John Pertwee. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit perfectly, but there is like a gap there at the very least. At the at the well, very. Well, what about what about just uh, Patrick Troughton eventually regenerates again and continues working for. Uh, or somehow has to. Well, he has is to be, trying to be constrict like they're trying to conscript him to do further work, and that's when he. Oh, so you're saying he, you're saying he worked for them for many years right. and then then regenerated, regenerated into Joe into, Martin and exactly. then Joe Martin regenerated into John Pertwee. Yeah, I guess that 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 makes more sense. That's true. Yes, you're right. That is that is probably what they if they were to, if that is what they're doing. That's probably what they would say. So. This is this is like this fan theory that has long been held that this season six B and these these yeah. missing adventures exist. It has been sort of uh, winked at by future showrunners in some in some other stories and like especially some of like the tie-in media, like the novels and stuff. Can because, I make a little because people, observation? You know how it is where people that run the show 
grew up as fans, right? Sure. So they grew up with these fan of theories. Course. And then they would get them when they get in charge. They go wink, wink. They sort of wink at, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the one little tiny thing that I'm remembering is Matt Smith having a scene in a museum with Tom Baker. Right. And Tom Baker's character incarnation the is supposedly, curator. yeah, the curator. He's supposed to be supposed way to be down the line. way down the line. Yeah. Retired where revi- version where he quote revisits, revisits some familiar, some faces. familiar right. faces. Exactly. And I thought that was interesting too and shouldn't be ignored because it also establishes the fact that they can have way more lives right. and I mean, way more regeneration. The doctor is con- going to continue know. to get as many new regeneration cycles as so, the show wants until the show is no longer on the air. So, right? so yeah. So I mean, sometimes it, there are lots of countries in the world where military service is compulsory. So what if Gallifrey had a similar setup, but at the end of your service, you get your memory wiped? Right. So either this is something, either this is something that all time lords are conscripted are, are to do, yeah. privy to, or even if it's a select thing, the idea that there's like this secret black ops thing that the time and who knows what horrible things like do they have do they have them erase entire species from history to preserve the greater good or something like who knows what horrible atocities i'm just spitballing here well they're not afraid of some deviously well yeah time lords have done some pretty morally questionable things before so what if so what if i don't know how this phrase timeless child would fit into this but if this theory is correct and there is this like this dark underbelly, this section 31 of Time Lord Society that does yeah. all these morally questionable things that they don't want anybody to know about and the master were to discover that, um, it could, you know, it does it does seem like it would line up very well. So exactly. who knows if this is the thing or not. But to, to sort of get away from the, the continuity implications for a second, what did you think of the actual performance? I, I thought that, oh, I thought she that once she great. actually becomes, she's sympathetic <laughs> as Ruth. Yes. But then when she becomes a doctor, her entire demeanor changes. Her st- and- yeah, her stature just becomes just doctor-esque. I even love the costume choices. Like yeah, that was, it was, it was great. A great costume. That was a great costume. Good. It was, I'm really in love a, with it. This was a this was a really good episode. I yeah. feel like I feel like what we talked about after Spyfall, and then we were kind of disappointed after Orphan Fifty Five. It's like well, after Spyfall, we said this is great. They're swinging for the fences. They're they making are. big moves. They're not. They're not. They're not settling for like oh let's do a standard sci you know sci-fi story with like a base under siege or whatever let's take big risks yep and do crazy stuff and then we had orphan the orphan planned episode and like it's just going back to more like monster of the week stuff yeah and then the tesla one was fine they can't all be huge episodes but this i feel like is a return to what we enjoyed about spyfall so much like they're 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 swinging for the fences they're taking big chances they're upending the canon yeah you know they're introducing interesting new characters they're bringing back classic elements right spyfall brought back the master this is bringing back the jadoon and captain jack right that they're not yeah they don't seem to be like shying away from the past like they were last season yep you know so i feel like this is this is great and she was great joe martin was great i would watch a whole you know oh, a whole episode i like, would watch a whole season with her well like sure more well, than, wouldn't oh, it be cool because the, the, you know, i don't there hasn't been as much of a thing over the past couple of seasons but during the davies era there was this tradition of each season would have like a doctor light episode that would focus more on guest characters or the companion and there was didn't way- we already have that when did we have when did we have that this well season? i mean i'm thinking that the three companions were on their own for a good majority of the episode right but jody whittaker fighting... was still in this episode a lot Fair. i'm talking about an episode that jody whittaker would either not be in or no, would I'm be not in only for this. a few minutes I- I see. We haven't we haven't had an episode like that I think in years, but the Moffat era would uh, the Davies era would do it once a year, and I think the Moffat era for a while too. And the, from a production standpoint, that was there because they needed to fit the Christmas special oh. into the production lineup somewhere, and so they had to find a way to to like 
have that be part of the production block and have the current actor playing the doctor film a lot of extra scenes for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas oftentimes the Christmas special wouldn't have the regular companion in it because they would leave at the end of the regular oh. season. So they weren't required, but the doctor was. So the yeah. doctor would have to film a whole bunch of extra scenes and they would have a companion light episode that they would be filming at the same time, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, we haven't had that in a while because they haven't been doing the Christmas specials the past couple of years. This year didn't even have a New Year special. Mm. Um, but... Wouldn't it be cool to have like a doctor, it wouldn't really be a doctor light, it would be a Jodie Whittaker light episode, but wouldn't it be cool if just like some random, like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, like some random episode of Arrow um, <laughs> that's told from like the villains, like the one that was told entirely from Ricardo Diaz's perspective, right? Oh, yeah. Or some random Justice League Unlimited episode that's told from the Legion of Doom's perspective. Like what if they did an episode of Doctor Who mm-hmm. where there's within, if you were to just watch this episode, you would not know that Jodie Whittaker was even the Doctor. Like, from the opening credits, maybe they do a different opening theme, maybe a different opening title treatment. They have Joe Martin's name up there at the Mm -hmm, beginning. mm -hmm. And the entire episode is just her and maybe, like, Lee or maybe one or two other companions. And it's an entire episode about her in her prime, Mm -hmm. completely apart from... And they can use it to, like, set up stuff for the future, a hint at things. But if you were to just watch this one episode, you think you were watching a Doctor Who episode from a lost season where this was actually the main on going doctor yeah you know oh, that'd be they should do that really they should cool. just do like a random one-off episode where none of our mm-hmm. regular characters are in it and it's just entirely this conceit they don't break the conceit for the whole episode it's as if this is from a forgotten season of the show yep you know what i mean yeah that would be really cool yeah but this this was great i feel like in addition to having big things that are happening yeah it was just a really well-written episode like it the really mystery, was. the mystery was intriguing the, act, thing, the acting from the guest characters were great one thing i'm kind of irritated by is how many times there was lying in the show. I didn't like that. So there was, um, well, she, obviously it's fine when a doctor feels um, compelled to withhold something, but I feel like we've seen that before. And I feel like previous doctors have had this arc where they reach this point where they think, where they are above that kind of petty behavior. But here she is really just withholding just even the most minute details of her past or what she's going through or anything of that nature to, to she calls them fam in one moment but then she absolutely lies about why she's heartbroken about home the next and i feel like the doctor in previous seasons has been through that before and has overcome it several iterations ago like several reincarnations yeah. ago and then there's she's doing a, i just don't bit, like that element in the writing reset, though, i don't like, like that no the reset is one thing but she's lying about stuff that even the previous doctors would be open about like i just yeah. don't get it well but it, there, there is are like, certain th- there are certain trumped up bits of drama in there and i just don't appreciate i'm okay that. with it each doctor kind of has their own arc and just because a previous doctor two or three incarnations ago learned a certain lesson right. doesn't mean that a new one won't have to learn that same lesson a different way like it's just the way it goes like it's not like each new incarnation of the doctor is more and more enlightened than the previous one sometimes there's some backsliding right sometimes a lot of it and also um the circumstances here are different like it'd be it it was one thing when it took the ninth doctor a few episodes to tell rose about the time war and gallifrey and everything Mm -hmm. um but just because it was like this tragedy that he lost this planet but here there's this this secret whatever it is Mm -hmm. that she has some like it's still unclear like she obviously doesn't remember it clearly but what the master said and especially when he threw out this threw out this phrase the timeless child like it hit her like it meant something to her on some primal level exactly she's i think i think it's not so much that she's trying to um that she wants to lie to them i think it's just more like she doesn't know what's 
she doesn't know what to make of this yet. And she's trying to like, she wants to figure it out herself on her own before yeah. she, because right, right now there's not, what can she, like, she, yeah, she could tell them that her planet is gone, but without knowing why or under what circumstances or what it has to do with the master or anything, yeah. it would just be like dumping this on them. And she doesn't want, she doesn't want or need their sympathy, you know? Right. So let them have their, let them have their fun. Yeah. You know, if they're going to worry about her a little bit, it's still better than worrying about her a lot if they knew that she'd lost her entire race, right? I know. So let them have this sort of blissful ignorance for a little while longer, at least until she figures out where she stands. Yeah. But now here after this, she's even less certain of what's going on. Like she's missing memory. She's missing entire lifetimes worth of memory seemingly, right? Yeah. And yet she still is more forth, more forthcoming here with them. Yeah. But I just thought that is. it was interesting because the when... I'm also thinking of the scene in the car where they're driving to the lighthouse before Ruth has her memories restored. Um, and instead of... It just bothered me a little bit in the writing because it felt the same exact as what I... Uh, the same exact way that I was just describing about how she's not talking to her companions about the most base facts about herself. Um, in that similar sort of petty and unnecessary fibbing kind of way. Um, specifically, I'm remembering one one line where uh ruth has her has another flashback there um jody's doctor sees that 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 she's seeing something and she asks her um what did you just see and and instead of saying nothing that makes sense she just says you know nothing don't worry about it or something like that like an outright lie and i felt like that was really just unnecessary and also kind of I just didn't like that writing choice. I don't, mm, I don't like, it feels like Doctor Who sometimes is a place where you can learn a lesson and outright boldface lying is not exactly something I feel aligns with the mission of the show. And so as often as it appears and as understandable as some of it can be, it, I just felt like it was too much and it was unnecessary in certain places. Like there, I would have just said nothing that makes sense, you know. I don't know. I still, I'm still figuring it out, or something like that. Like, be more open about it. But well, it's a, not it's a, like it's a pretty. Her husband, her husband has been killed. She's being assaulted by memories she doesn't know or understand. There's aliens invading her life. I can understand someone being a little bit res reticent to be fully emotionally available. So Maybe I don't not, necessarily hold that against her. I almost think that that's when you're most available is when you're kind well, of like packing and you're certain people react to these somebody. situations in different ways. I yeah, can see but, some people just sort of like. But that was another thing that bothered up. me about it is that. W the sameness of it it well, was like anyway from the mouths of different characters the same kind of petty lying i don't know i just i didn't like it i didn't like the, that element of it but other than that i thought it was a great episode i thought it was a great show and i love god what was her name Who? The, the actress playing ruth dr ruth joe martin joe martin please just make her a future incarnation. Seriously, she's great. She's wonderful. And well, she's probably not going to be awesome. a future incarnation. Well, okay. Well, a show of some kind. Like, I like your idea of having a few one-off episodes where she's the doctor. Yeah, I think that'd be good. She's a fantastic doctor. That was great. So we should talk about Picard. Yes. So we watched the first episode of Picard. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And it was visually stunning. It was just beautiful. Yeah, really beautifully directed. First, first Star Trek... Uh, pilot, I guess you can't really call it a pilot because it was, you know, picked up, full series pickup. But the first, the first, first episode of a new Star Trek series to be directed by a woman. 
and a woman of color, no less, too. That's obviously, awesome, yeah. obviously, Star Trek has had many female directors, mm-hmm. but none of them directed the first episode of a new series. This is the first new series to be launched by a female director. That's really wonderful. And this is actually, I'm sorry to bring it back, but there's also the first woman of color being a doctor, which was great. Well, yes. So, I mean, I feel like that kind of goes with that saying. But I mean, that's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, I love the 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 storyline in Picard and uh, there were a few moments where I was able to predict something that even you weren't didn't see coming because of themes that are like little light motifs in the show where they were uh, like they had two paintings and as soon as they had two paintings I was like oh there are going to be two daughters that there'd have to be I don't know why it just it just kind of symmetrically makes sense that there are two of them and then you had the duality in their rings as well and that ties back to their DNA structure and DNA has a copy of itself like dna is is by nature a twin um strand like of a a duplicate copy within itself uh within one strand it's it's really cool so there you got the two 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 like two face might have been writing for this show (laughs) um but i just i thought the story was really compelling i thought patrick stewart was really awesome i love the direction in the the directing choices to really bring the camera close and to make it kind of wobbly and have that handheld feeling when he was feeling off kilter. Um, those storytelling tactics were just really, really effective. And it was just top to bottom, soup to nuts, an excellent first episode. It's really, 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 really well, well done. So we, so just from a, like a, a continuity perspective, um, He's been on this vineyard for however many years, 10 years, 15 years or whatever. Um, the, the, uh, the, the backstory, which we pretty much sussed out, was, yes. that, <laughs> you, you um, nailed it. <laughs> was that he left the Enterprise to helm the evacuation effort of the Romulan Empire. But we, so the, we, what we weren't sure about is how the timeline of these different things fit together. But the attack by the synthetics on Utopia Planitia on Mars happened around the same time, talk about bad timing. Although, was it a coincidence? Who knows if that was orchestrated by someone? Because they say we still don't, they, they still don't know. It, it's a mystery to this day why the synths mm-hmm. went rogue. Yeah. What if they were reprogrammed en masse and sent to attack Mars yeah. to divert resources away from the Romulan Empire? Yeah. To, you know, to turn Starfleet against the Romulans or to affect a certain change within starfleet or to or disgrace a, picard or to who, who, know, who right, knows who knows right? the motive yeah but it, it, it seems the timing seems it's possible sometimes these historical coincidences happen where some some disaster happens at the absolute worst time but mm-hmm. it could also be orchestrated obviously mm-hmm. um so that happens it's the disaster is even worse than we suspected after watching children of mars because there the death toll was just 3, 000, estimated to be a few climbing, thousand. Yeah. Here, it's estimated as being almost, they say, they say almost, almost 100,000. Yeah. And Mars, the atmosphere is still on fire to this day. Yeah, 19 um, years later. Yeah. The shipyards were wiped out. And mm-hmm. so Starfleet's ability to construct new ships was basically decimated on that crippled yeah. for probably years. Who knows if they've even recovered to this point? Because mm-hmm. that was their prime shipbuilding facility for hundreds of years. Like, I'm sure they had other satellite facilities, but that was their main one. Probably yep. the bulk of new... Starfleet ships, and they said that what uh, this this number seemed like it was a little too high given the sh- the number of Starfleet ships that we've ever seen in one place at one time before. But didn't they say that an unprecedented armada of like ten thousand ships was being constructed to evacuate the Romulan Empire? Like ten thousand ships? We've only ever seen like twenty star starships yeah, in yeah. one place at one time before. Yeah. If you'd asked me what the entire combined size of the Starfleet fleet was at any given time, I would say 
few hundred, maybe, if that, maybe 500 ships. Yeah. You know, with yeah. full crews and, and, and full crew complements and everything, aside from like, a, a, you know. A smattering of. Well, auxiliary craft, yeah, like sure. runabouts. And, you know, then you've got the star bases and you've got other things. But in terms of like full three to four figure crew complement ships with, yeah. you know, uh, soup to nuts, everything, like the Enterprise or all these other ships or Voyager, I would say a few hundred. And they were going to construct 10,000 like space arcs to like, yeah, that's that's an <laughs> unprecedented engineering effort. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, the tie-in comic would tell us that Geordi was supervising the construction of those <laughs> ships, by the way. He that's was put really in charge cool. of the construction effort. Um, but uh, so, yeah, they're constructing all these ships and then they get destroyed by the synthetics. And so now um, the Federation is faced with a choice, um, devote perhaps more resources than they can comfortably afford mm-hmm. towards the, co- the, the evacuation effort of, yeah. or just focus on licking their wounds and shoring up their own now limited resources, looking right. after their own and letting the Romulans fend for themselves. Um, and Picard was an outspoken voice for not, not, not doing the latter. Right. Um, and when, and, and threatened to resign his commission in protest mm-hmm. and, and hearing Patrick Stewart talk about it in interviews, it's not so much that he was bluffing, it's that he, he just, he didn't really think. Right. He, he had such faith in Starfleet as an institution. Right. That he's like, well, I'll threaten to resign, but that will be enough to convince them once they see. Right. I'll be able to convince them with my renowned oratorical skills, right? Yes. But no, not so much. Like yeah. they, they basically call his bluff and he resigns. Um, and he's further embittered and and um, and turned against, you know, his society by the fact that they outlaw synthetics. Yeah. After what happened. Yeah. He was vociferously against that too. So you get the you get the sense that despite all that he's done for Starfleet and the Federation, um, he's kind of a controversial figure now within the Federation. Like the person that's sent to interview him doesn't seem to have any love lost for him. Is is taking is pretty tactless and unsympathetic as an interviewer. Yeah, well, I, that's her job. No, I know, but I but I think that if the if the conceit is that that the federation the federation and Starfleet have kind of lost their way a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that yeah, like that many people died. Yeah. On on Mars, and then Picard is like, oh no, we shouldn't outlaw that. Like Picard and people that served with Data, that's a relatively small number. They have a unique perspective because they've seen what a synthetic being can accomplish and how human or how sentient they can be, mm-hmm. right? Most of the other people in the Federation don't have that perspective. All they know is what they're being told on the news or whatever, right? Yeah. So if here comes this guy who's saying, oh, by the way, we should give up all of our creature comfort so that we can save literally the Federation's oldest enemy, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and also... Those people that, or those those machines, from everybody else's perspective, those machines that just murdered 100,000 people on Mars, you know, you don't really know. You know, you don't know them like I do, basically. Like, yeah, they're going to be like, this Picard guy's gone, gone around the bend, right? right? Like, sure, he was great in his day, but he's become this weird old crank now, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting that he's not, you know... I'm sure that there's still you know people that knew him, and obviously you know there's going to be people that still respect him and admire his accomplishments and everything. But he's not like you know James T. Kirk coming out of retirement was like, oh Captain Kirk, and I he was know. like, oh, oh Picard, oh man, I don't know, if, you know what I mean? Right. Like I think it's going to be a little bit of that thing, and we we know from like previews and trailers and stuff, he's going to go to Starfleet Command and try to get 
shore up support for this mission he wants to go on to find this twin sister of Dodge, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's going to meet with a fair amount of resistance. So he's going to be like, yes, Jean-Luc, very good. You go back off to your... And you, you know what like what happens in this episode where there's he go, runs up to the roof or rather like is, 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 is breathlessly up. carried up to the roof. Um, Dodge is killed or, or is like destructed by this Romulan yeah. suicide bomber, basically. Um, and seemingly the the security cameras either either the security cameras don't capture it mm-hmm. because of like, or there's a cover up or and there's we a don't cover, know or there's a cover up right but it's also possible that they're like oh man old you know old man picard wandered up to the roof and hit his head and fell down just just send him home and you right. know we'll, we'll, we'll pretend this well, didn't that's happen how, yeah right? exactly or it's a massive cover up like but i could see it going either way mm-hmm. right like oh man you know he wandered onto the grounds and then hit his head on the roof again it's the fifth fifth time this week you know what i mean yep um but it's interesting because it it positions him as someone who's on the outs, you know, yeah. as the underdog. Who would have thought that, you know, Captain Picard would be the underdog, one of the most renowned figures in Starfleet history. Yep. Um, and this whole mystery with Dodge, I thought that was really interesting. Like, I never in a million years would have predicted, like, in a way, Data's daughter, kind of. And I'm so, like, as, so as it's unfolding, I'm like, okay, so she's Data's daughter. And I'm like, I think she does look a little like Lol. Like a, yeah, a, a little, little, like a little, in such a way that I could kind of see that maybe when they were looking for an actress, they maybe that was in their back of their minds. Like maybe Data had a type, you know what I mean? <laughs> like what he wanted his daughter, or maybe well, Bruce... he painted it. I mean, he painted exactly it, right. right. And he called it daughter. Like was he yeah. painting Lol? Right? Like yeah, who knows when maybe. he painted it? Was it before or after Lol? Right? Like yeah. there's, we may or may not get answers to these questions, but it's interesting to have that there. Like he lost his daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And like what if what if he painted her afterwards, yeah. right? Or like Bruce Maddox comes along and he wants to like he feels terrible about like Data died and you know he himself almost threatens Data's very existence and he feels terrible about that and now he's going to try to like give Data new life by giving him a child like after the fact what if he modeled Dodge and her sister on you know the records that exist of Data's previous attempt to create a daughter right Mm -hmm. as like a gesture to this to Data right? right I could see him doing that by the way (laughs) <laughs> who who here had Bruce Maddox in their in their pool, right? Like I think I'm I'm I because I've read articles and I've listened to interviews, people speculating about what the plot of the show was going to be. I was the only one that mentioned Bruce Maddox. I'll, yep. just, I'll just put I'm like I'm sure I'm not the only one, but you know I'm sure somebody on a message you board should, somewhere mentioned Bruce Maddox. But you should 100 percent email every single a Doctor Who related podcast that you listen to and be like, ha ha, called it. You mean Star Trek podcast? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Star Trek um, podcast. Obviously, I mean Star Trek podcast. <laughs> okay. So I was like, are we going to see Bruce? So immediately I like go to IMDb and like, is the guy that plays Bruce Maddox A still alive and yeah. B still working? And apparently he doesn't work much anymore. Like he, he's done like every few years he's he like produces something or he he's like a directing a stage. Uh-huh. He's like the director of a stage company now or something. So he like still exists. He's still in the industry. Right. They could get him if they or they could just like have his name out there. Maybe Picard goes because now it's like he's like the only link. Picard right. has so presumably yeah. Picard's going to like staff up and then go try to find this guy. Yeah, maybe he maybe he follows his trail and to find out that he was killed or whatever. Like he, they don't necessarily Need they're not to, necessarily right. going to have the actor on the show. But who would have thought, already thought that this. Bruce yeah. Maddox would be the MacGuffin? <laughs> um, yeah, the where the search for Luke. But it's smart for all the reasons that we talked about last time. Like he's he's in. He's the 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 crux of a classic episode that like everybody's seen, right? Yeah. And if this show is going to be about 
at least partially about the relationship between Picard and Data. Yeah. One of the formative moments in their relationship, one could even argue like the formative, the most important moment in their relationship mm-hmm. was that trial where Picard defended Data for his right to, to be sentient yes. against Bruce Maddox. I know right? they're going to talk about it too, especially when he meets Riker. I'm sure it'll come up. Maybe. Yeah. I think it will, especially since remember that Riker was oh, forced into a position to prosecute so to argue for the prosecution and that's just um i think that's a burden that he's had to carry with him his entire life um just because picture yourself where you believe one side of a thing but you're forced to argue against it and so the stakes are so high yeah. that if you actually argue successfully your friend will be reduced he was he was mopey at the end of that episode but i'm not sure it was something that he would you know, some Look, dar- I just some think that that's the for thirty years. That's a dint I, of the flavor of the show. I don't that's know. a dint of the lightheartedness of the show. Riker like, doesn't. They had t- Riker doesn't tend to be that that mo- that morose about about his. Nobody past was that morose about anything on that show. Like that's that's kind of the. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that would really be weighing on him that much thirty years down the line. But I I do it may it may come up if they just like if they get to talking about Bruce Maddox and everything, but. But yeah, I mean, and we get a couple of cameos from Data. I mean, the show opens. I mean, obviously, there's a lot we could talk about. The show opens of this this hero shot of the Enterprise beautiful, D flying towards the beautiful. camera. It opens on Picard and Data playing poker, which is exactly... It's not... While Blue Skies plays. What with Blue Skies, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. the musical motif that mm-hmm. ran throughout the last story together, which was Nemesis. And then they're playing poker together, which is not where we last saw them because that was Nemesis. But when we left the whole Next Generation cast, the last time we saw them on TV on that ship was at the end of All Good Things yep. where Picard sat down at the poker table for the first time. Um, he's dreaming about Data. Um, I wonder if he's been dreaming about Data for 15 years or if maybe Sporadically like... Sporadically for 15 years, I believe have, that. Recent events have like maybe. caused him to... I don't know. Well, I don't know. If you... if I've even read speculation that that's not a coincidence. That Because, I mean, there's there's oh, all sorts of te- tele- telepathy in Star Trek too, right? Sure. Like Maybe somebody is like sending him telepathic messages to like urge him to... You know, the, because when Dawes showed up, maybe he was primed to help her because... I he thought it was an interesting... He'd freshly been dreaming about Data, for example. That's you know? true, but I also... Well, he dreamt it's about the theory. painting after. Know, it's, it's like just, his brain it, solved that yeah, problem. Yeah, but, but he was dreaming about data before Dodge even yes. showed up. And then when he saw that Dodge was a link to data, he's like, "Oh man, you he know, dreamed that specific dreaming thing. about data." And then who knows? It's just a theory. But you know, maybe maybe some Betazoid has been sending him. Telepathic. He had a Betazoid award in his trophy room. True. He also had one from the the children of Tama, which I enjoyed because yeah, that was that the was alien great. race from Darmok. So, so I guess great. we we now know that they. Uh, they, they, they followed up. They, they at least they at least were <laughs> his able to, eyes are open. They at least were able to grasp our language enough to, to to write some words on a trophy. So that's nice. But presumably they had um, a continuing uh, healthy relationship with the Federation in the ensuing twenty years after that that's episode. So great. Or oh man, been. that was such a good episode. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and there's all sorts of little things we could talk about too, like he, like all the stuff, like the Captain Picard Day banner in there, and he, you know his little ships, and he's mm-hmm. got you know a ceremonial batleth, like presumably from that time he was the arbiter of succession for the Klingon Empire or whatever. Presumably his little Ruskin flute is in there somewhere too, yeah. and he's got a little necklace in there. Yeah. Um, the opening title sequence, you know, it starts and ends with a flute, mm-hmm. right? And it's a flute that was made to sound. It's like the same a, a pay kind homage, of flute yeah, to the Ruskin flute. Um, he said it the composer ni- was like, "Oh, I wanted that, but I couldn't get my hands right. on one." <laughs> it, it ends with a nice little reprise of the the theme from Next Generation, yeah. you know, um, much like the the Discovery theme ended with a nice little statement of the of the original mm-hmm. Alexander Courage Star Trek mm-hmm. theme. Um, 
And a very beautiful, lyrical opening sequence, too, where it's like all these different things, Romulus, um, androids, all these different, like all these different elements, all these different themes and, and plots from the into, show, yeah. all sort of like fragment and fall apart. And then they sort of coalesce, coalesce and form in like into a... Picard. And you're kind of like, oh, this this is like all the all his experience, all of his memories. Like it's an the person he is now is the sum of all exactly, of his experiences that brought is. him to this point. And yep. now, you know. And in the in the motif of a vineyard, which is where it kind of all begins. Right. But, but yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like all of exactly. his all of his experiences from growing up on that vineyard to his career in Starfleet, to his interactions with Data, to his trying to save the Romulan Empire, to being taken by the Borg, all of that stuff is going to inform the choices he makes over that show because literally all of those things are coming back right so yeah the, la- the last thing we see is dodge's twin sister and this new romulan character and this quote romulan reclamation site which is supposed to look eerily familiar in terms of its architecture and lighting and then deep only at the end do we nine. do we zoom out more and more to see well d space nine we zoom more and more out and see that it's a borg cube that's kind of been hollowed out right oh i'm sorry i'm talking talking oh sorry i was thinking about um there's a there about the trailer for Picard. There was um, something about like n- number of days since incident. Oh yeah, but I mean, so so We're, we don't even know that about coming, that. Yeah. That looked like Sorry. some sort of weird um, Romulan like work site where they've got people like like exactly. doing manual labor, and there was X looks, number of days since assimilation. Yeah. So so maybe that's coming. So I mean, there's something going on here. Like, but but Daja's sister is hu- well, we know she's not human, but right. she presumably believes herself to be human. Mm-hmm. So is this Romulan reclamation site an official, like, is this some sort of, like, Federation outreach program? Where Because she's a human scientist and she's working with the Romulans to do something, salvage technology from Borg ships or yep. use Borg ships as, like, home trailer bases. parks or, like... Well, yeah, I mean, what else are they going to do? I mean, they, did, they, they need a home. They can't really... Yeah, I know. They don't have the resources. Hold reclamation on. Everybody's, everybody's mean, hard for resources yeah, reclamation to build mean new things. things. Are, they, so, are they living there or are they just salvaging parts? Why are there, why are there abandoned Borg cubes intact floating they're, around? They're Is not like, abandoned. They're not intact. You saw that one was like... It had force fields up in all sorts of holes. It was clearly but, battle but damaged. Did, but did it have holes because they're they're taking it apart for parts? Or was it damaged in battle? You know, is it being slowly I mean, deconstructed from the outside in? To me, in? it looks damaged in battle because of the random nature in the holes like if Maybe. they were deconstructing it you'd think there'd be a little bit usually more of an order usually though it. when we see a borg cube defeated in battle it just blows up like part of me wonders like the, the borg is going to play a role in this and we're going to see several former borg that have been liberated right yeah we still don't know the state of the borg species, species yeah. after the end of voyager if if Janeway blowing up the central nexus mm-hmm. there and and seemingly destroying the Borg Queen, who knows? Maybe all Borg everywhere shut down and their cubes just started drifting in space. Exactly. And here come the Romulans with no resources, no place to live. And the Federation's like, yeah, you guys can go have the cubes, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's your, that's your it's for you now. 40 acres and a mule. You can go have these cubes, right? And we'll keep all of our, our sweet, sweet replicators. Um. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I don't. Not, so, but there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about you know the Borg stuff is going to play into this eventually because we know Seven of Nine and Hugh and presumably other former Borg are going to show up. We've we can sort of see how you get to the 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 android stuff is front and center here. The Romulan stuff is sort of playing mm-hmm. out also. We can kind of, we know we're going to get introduced to Romulan characters. We met one briefly at the end of the last episode. Yep. The Romulan stuff is obviously going to become a bigger and bigger part. We still don't really know how they're going to get to the Borg 
plot line from here. Yeah. Like we see this cube, but how is that? Is the Borg stuff related to the the synth stuff in some way? Like there's, you can kind of see maybe there'd be a commonality there, but I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know how you get to, unless like Picard goes to meet up with some Romulans and because they're on a Borg cube, that's how the Borg stuff gets involved. But that would seem almost a little random. I don't know. Like it's interesting how they've managed to combine the, the data stuff and the Romulan stuff into one sort of thrust of the plot. I don't know how they're also going to work the Borg stuff in there, but it's it's all super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was really good. Like, it sets up some interesting mysteries. Obviously, the performances are great. Allison Pill was great as the do- doctor. So um, Jadari or something. I can't, I'm getting her name wrong or something like that. It starts with a J and it's She's really great. She's great. I mean, I loved her on the newsroom. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. Um, she's great as like this um, <laughs> sort of like worn down. Yeah. Like she's because this is like her life's work. She's, she's still optimistic. She's working but she's with tired. Bruce Maddox. Yeah. Yeah. She's clearly brilliant. And she's got like all these ideas, but she's being forced to, you know, for for a decade now, they've been forced to, I don't know how long she's been working there, but they've been forced to work purely theoretically mm-hmm. using computer modeling as supposed to actually building anything. They got B4 in a drawer, mm-hmm. which is like Elf on a Shelf, <laughs> right? B4 in a drawer. They can't really do anything with him. They just yeah. like pull him out and look at him every now and then. Yeah. Um, Put him away. Yeah. But Picard comes and tries to get in. He's like, is this possible? No. But what what about this? Would it be possible? Like, no, that's not possible either. Like, she's she's like, no, nothing of what you're saying is possible. Yeah. But he just keeps, he, he, but he's like, he's, char- like he's and but he's, but he's charming enough. Yeah. That he's like, she's kind of like, she, she against her, it's kind of like against her own better judgment. She starts like she spit, spit, spitballing with yeah. him. She's, at first she's like, no, none of what you're saying is possible. Go away and leave me to my stupid work. But it's like over over the course of the conversation, she's like, well, but unless, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he kind of like just, he but gets unless, her bit by bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a he great wears little, her down a little bit. And there's so much info it's dump really in that good. scene too. Like all yeah. the stuff with Data and before. But it's so interesting. And since and mm-hmm. Bruce Maddox. And, and, you know, it's like all that was a big the info dump. The significance of the necklace, like well, everything. Yeah, like and, and how it's even possible. We didn't even talk about this. How is it possible Data was like atomized yeah. when when when, Shin, when Shinzon's ship was destroyed. They've got B four in a drawer there, but they were told that we were. So this is the speculation, right, that we had last week, because there's been a lot of speculation, of course, that after Nemesis, Data transferred his memories, like copied them over in a non-destructive way, in mm-hmm. terms of the fact that Data himself still retained them. It wasn't like a move; it was a copy. It was a copy, know? yeah. Um, to B four, but B 4s neural net was primitive compared to yeah. data so it was a question of whether it would take or whether it would just break down right and, and it seemingly down. it was a ladder so yeah. like it's interesting because there's been a lot of like the fans there's a contingent of the fans that like to believe that data would live on in this way yeah you know that some or all of him would 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 take hold and be four and data would basically be back and would live on right because right. the fans like to believe that but here we're told no like it, it yeah. didn't work right yeah so picard did really lose data. Data yeah. sacrificed himself for him, and he tried to. Data tried to, you know, give one last shot at at letting himself continue, and it failed. But know? here's the thing, though. Even in that episode, like he, that that was the beautiful moment of it, where they're watching before, like. Uh, hum the song. Right. There's a hint but that there's maybe, a hint that, that it maybe might it's work. starting to take, and but, Picard smiles. But that's not why. But that's where that's it not ended. why because that conversation. I want to bring it back to you. That conversation between them was acknowledging that part of Data might live on, but B four, please remember, B four is his own person, and what he chooses to do with Data's information, with Data's experiences, is still ultimately B four's identity, B four's right. decision. And please don't think that they really made it clear 
they said, please don't think that this is going to be a copy of Data. This is still a but person. But they could write it in any way they he, wanted. Like- Data, Data knew that he was sacrificing himself. He just wanted to give B, B4 an opportunity to take a path and to learn from but his B4, own experiences. But B4, I mean, we could, we, could, we could debate this, but B4 was largely a blank slate. And even Data himself said, what separates you... Captain mm-hmm. from Shinzon is the same thing that separates me from B4. We aspire. Mm-hmm. They do not, right? Mm-hmm. B4 was too rudimentary to aspire to be more than he yeah. was, to, to desire to learn new things, to better himself. Yes. So if somewhere in his B4's childlike intellect saw in this influx of information from data a way to allow his brother to live on at the yeah. cost of his own relatively simple existence, maybe he would have made that choice. Like, you could write it that way, right? Right. That before chooses to sacrifice himself so that his older, wiser brother, who's beloved by all these people that saved him, could live on. You could choose to write it that way in, like, a poignant, tragic way. And that would be the way that would allow the fans the comfort of knowing that they're old friend data lives on yeah but that's extrapolating i'm i'm just looking at what was given to us what was written in that particular scene i know but that's, it was that's a really what a lot far, of that's what a lot of fans that's data. what a lot of fans like to believe though and even yeah. even the official tie-in comics that were written by the people that wrote the jj abrams movie uh-huh. um the star trek countdown these are these are now rendered non-canonical by this new series but at the time they were considered to be the official future of the next generation crew and in it that exact thing happened where where B4 where Data's memories basically took hold of B4 and he started mm-hmm. calling himself Data and acting like Data and became the new captain of the Enterprise Captain Data right this was the uh, this is supposed to be the official future of that character but then it was rendered now non-canonical by this new series because oh, always because always the 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 stuff that's on film on the screen yep is you canon. know is canon and any other books or comics or novels can be rendered non-canonical in an instant. Mm-hmm. It's not like Star Wars, where theoretically everything is supposed to be equally official. Right. Um, so, but that was kind of what I like to believe, right? Like, oh, maybe Data will live on in some way, either wholly in, or in part. But this series is like, no. <laughs> Nobody got a happy ending after that, right? Right, Like, right, Picard right. didn't get a happy ending. Data didn't get a happy ending. Before so, didn't get a happy ending. Right. He was dis- like Yeah, that's not great. He was disassembled, that probably because great. of, like, the fact that they were outlawed, right? Yeah. So, so then Maddox comes along. So, But anyway, to go all the way back to what we're saying, logistically speaking, Data's neural net didn't survive in any way. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like it, the the implant into B four failed. His original body and and you know brain were destroyed. Mm-hmm. But Maddox was able to. T- Maddox had this theory about like quantum something or other, where in theory, like and mathematically, I don't think this is borne out in any way. But this is like you know sci fi science. Yeah, in theory, even the smallest part of Data's code or circuitry or something. I'm not sure if they were talking about mathematically or, or, or electronically. They refer to it as an essence, but put yeah, big some, fat air quotes around so it. So like, like, like how a hologram works, and this right. is actually true. This would be more true of the Doctor, now the Doctor from Voyager, not the Doctor from Doctor Who. Okay. But this would be more true of the EMH than of Data, where the way a hologram works is that every component of a hologram contains all the information of the whole thing. In the whole thing, So yeah. theoretically, that would be more applicable yeah, to the Doctor. Yeah, that's true. But they say that 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 Maddox had this revolutionary theory mm-hmm. where if he could if he if even the slightest part of data was preserved it could be used in this like paired fashion mm-hmm. to generate a pair of of offspring using his you know positronic essence as some starting point right yeah. and this is what he was able to do it's a little flimsy as far as the science maybe we'll get more i'm so what i'm unclear on is the logistics mm-hmm. like were they was was there enough of B4 there? Was there enough of data in B4? Even if even if personality-wise it didn't take, was there still... An, like the code would still be there. The code 
Data's code would presumably still be in B4's brain. Can I raise a proposition? Yeah. Because here's my hypothesis, and this remains unchanged from when I first heard what you're describing. I think because of the way that Alison Pill's character said uh, he disappeared soon after the ban on the whatever, and that they were working with this with this theory, but they had to shut down all the things right. or whatever. He created the so twins in secret after he, he did. After he left. But here's what I think he did. I don't think he took any part of B4 with him. I think he went to where Data died. Well, and you somehow, keep saying that, but that, that was a big explosion. That like, was a big was explosion. Atomized. I know that, but I think that that's what the doctor did. I think that he went over there and that he um, somehow collected some salvage from that particular wreckage. And in there, he found trace elements of Data's remains. I mean, you might be able to find like an atom or something but data but was standing right next to the huge reactor that he blew up with a phaser like yes. there'd be no chip there would be no i know i'm not saying hair that. follicle there'd i'm be no saying nothing. that any chips or follicles or whatever that he did find would have trace elements of data on there i'm not saying that the, he would find parts yeah. of data i'm but, saying that he would find but it, atoms but data of didn't, data but data didn't have like an atom wouldn't be enough it's not like data had android dna like no, there's, I know there's that. nothing that, in, that there's returns nothing in to one the, of his cells that you could use you need a chip or something i understand but that's um that's the theory for you he I, he said I the mean, essence the the like a tiny cell i think she or was speaking like poetically i think he still would have needed what the what i was on I, I never was under the impression that he was able to get a hold of some physical part of data i was just unclear on whether he needed what he needed was some of the code some of data's code that was transferred into b4 or whether he was able to use like i don't know maybe he had maybe starfleet had like some some spare so parts or something why, lying around i here, don't know here's why i hypothesize the way i do because they were working allison pill and he were working on this and failing with b4 so they already had b4 and he wasn't able to get it to work then and then yeah. of course the ban and then he leaves and so he leaves probably to in secret do this other thing mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm thinking that he abandoned trying to use b4 as a source i think he went to what i what like, i just quit what everything I thought, though, and went on this what i thought mission. though is that what i thought though is that maddox's revolutionary idea was to use b4 as a source in a different way instead of using b4 as like a blueprint to try to build a new android in his Im image or data's image Forget that. You can't build a right. new one that way. What you can do is take this essence, whatever it is, and mm -hmm. create a new being, a combination of yeah. synthetic and biological out of that. Right. You know, in right. some new way. Like, I think what they were trying to do is they literally had the parts there and like, okay, can we make an arm like this arm? Right, can right, we right, make right. a head like mm -hmm. this head? That wouldn't work. But if you can take something out of B4, either in terms of the programming or in terms of like a chip or something, and use that somehow through crazy science make them up science to generate some new like android embryo or something that you could then that would then grow into this synthetic being mm -hmm. that was his great intuitive leap or something but i still think the starting point must have been before because i can't there, there wouldn't have been anything left in the wreckage of that ship i don't think i mean we'll we'll, we'll see i think i i would hope that this gets clarified because that was such a a vague description i'm like it's like if the whole plot is going to revolve around data survived you know in this way in the sense that data lives on in this way right i would like to know how that was possible because that seems like the logistics are perhaps not super important all that perhaps matters is that maddox was able to do this and create this new set of beings that are like un unlike anything that's ever been seen before using some radical new theory and something that he was able to take from some part of data that remained mm -hmm. but i just because we were literally told in this episode that nothing of data remained, I would like to know how that's possible. Yeah. Maybe that's just me being pedantic. I don't know. 
Um, but these are the sorts of the sorts of things I would like to know. Maybe we're going to get an answer about that. I mean, I feel like if they actually do encounter him, yep. that I feel like we're going to get a scene where he talks about why and how he did what he did. But if they just find his dead body or something, or his we ship is blown know. up, and that's a dead end, then we might we never may know. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, but you know, aside from aside from like me just wanting to know more about certain things, which isn't really a knock against the episode. I thought mm. the whole thing was was great. I thought I'm so too. To, and I'm, it's not it, like it doesn't have to be. Um, it's probably like I don't know. It's a continuum, right? Like you've got, you've got old next gen on one on one end of the spectrum. You've got like the J.J. Abrams movies on the other end of the spectrum. Discovery probably closer to like the J.J. Abrams spectrum of things in terms of like flashiness, action, go 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 plot, right? Um, this is like definitely not way on the next gen continue uh, end of things in terms of like, in terms of like, I don't know the the budget and in terms of like the amount of action because there were like some impressive action sequences in, in in here in terms of like the special effects like it's 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 definitely new start like it's definitely modern star trek it's definitely but i it's like i don't know it's like halfway between discovery and next gen mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's it it's it, it has some of the beautiful cinematography although still very much its own thing but just in terms of like it looks it looks modern. Like the mm-hmm. special effects are modern. The visuals are like a, of a modern sensibility. It's not flat TV lighting on cardboard sets. You know, this is like an HD era, shot in 8K or whatever. Right. You know, with modern standards for special effects and cinematography and stunt coordination. This yes. is not like we'll no, put Marina Sirtis on a wire, <laughs> know, throw her right. backwards in 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 a, a set. We'll put have a set where we'll put some sand on the ground, and that'll be our. Our canyon, right? Right. We'll have Marita sort of fall backwards, and we'll film it from a <laughs> hundred yards away, and that'll be our big stunt sequence, right? Like, right. no, like they've got fights, and people are twirling around, and there's yeah. like lens flare and stuff. So there's there's an influence of like new Trek in there. Yes. But in terms of the the overall pacing, and in terms of like the thoughtful nature Just of the it, the introductory scene of Dodge alone is oof, oof. Yeah, but you want it to be that way. Like it's a show yeah. about a character who's supposed to be, and the actor is not this age, but the character is supposed to be explicitly in the show ninety two years old because yeah. it's the future and humans live longer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of wonder how McCoy made it to one hundred and fifty if Picard is this one hundred and fifteen. If if Picard is this well, whatever it was, but yeah. if Picard is this, no, it's got to be more than that. Well, he was one hundred and fifteen on the uh, on the on the Enterprise in the pilot episode. No, he can't have been. Because because McCoy was was easily in his sixties or seventies, and the and the and the undiscovered country in the next gen is like seventy five years later. So he must have been in at least one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty. Jonathan Archer canonically was supposed to be like one hundred and forty when he died because he was the, the 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 conceit is that when the Enterprise, the original Enterprise, like Kirk's Enterprise, although it would have been commanded by Robert April or Christopher Pike or whoever at that point, mm-hmm. but um, that Archer died peacefully in his sleep on the day in which the Enterprise was launched, like the oh. next Enterprise, the TOS Enterprise, yeah. on the day that it left on its maiden voyage was the day that he died. Like he lived long enough to see the it next go. era start or something oh, like that. Man, that's that's cool. in the canon somewhere. That's like in a file you can read. You please frame <laughs> the screen at a certain point. Um, but yeah, humans are supposed to live for like well over 100 years at this point. Picard yeah. can barely move around at 92. So I don't know. Maybe he had a harder life than most, right? Maybe. All those action sequences. That time he had to go back for his saddle. He took a lot of hits in that episode, right? So maybe ha, that's catching ha, up ha, with ha, him ha. now. Yeah. Um, well, all serious writers have their own saddle. I mean, it's just, I, it's I a know. fact. Yeah. Um, he got to fight Tim Russ in that episode. He did. Um, it's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, but it was really good. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, for a show about a character who's supposed to be 92, you wouldn't want it to have the same pacing and camera movement and everything of Discovery. Yeah. Like, yeah. it would seem ridiculous. Yeah. So it, it's a bit more deliberately paced. It's more slower paced. You have moments where the action is punctuated, but they serve to then, you know, give the audience, like, a, a jolt and, like, yeah. propel them into the next few scenes where relatively little happens and it's, like, a lot of exposition. But even the exposition dumps here, a lot of the exposition dumped on the audience during the interview scene, mm-hmm. but the scene serves many purposes. It serves to to show that Picard is sort of on the outs with, with with the Federation because this interviewer clearly doesn't really doesn't seem to think much of him. It's supposed to show Picard's attitude towards Starfleet and the Federation. It's supposed to give us information about the synths, information about the failed Romulan evacuation. It's supposed to reveal why Picard left Starfleet. It's supposed, yeah. you know, like the scene has to do five or six different things, and all the while it's giving you a lot of information. Same thing with the scene between him and Allison Pill. There's a lot of information there. Some of which, you know, needs further yeah. clarification. There's a lot of information there while at the same time you're seeing like Picard being very like suave and charming and you're getting to know her character and seeing her sort of open up to him a little bit. Yeah. You know, like all these scenes where they dump a lot of information on you are still right. accomplishing a lot, you yeah. know? Yeah. We haven't even talked about like the, the Romulans that he has working on his estate. Yes. Like, or, or Chateau, whatever yeah, you want yeah, to yeah. call them. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the idea that the least he could do was, like, take in a, a few Romulans and give them, like, a nice, comfortable life. It's not like I they're his manservants you, or whatever. No, but. they're not. They they help take care of him, though, because they know they're, they're living. They're taking care of him out of gratitude. Like, he gave them a home, and they're taking care of him because he could have done what the rest of his people did and just, like, cast them to the wind. Right? Maybe, but I honestly think... Don't think so little of them. I bet you there's a bigger history there. I think, for example, when he was still trying to do the... Obviously, when he was in charge of the the relocation effort before the tragedy at Mars, um, they what a sentence! It was a partial success. They, they it was a partial There's success. There's a comic that's book fine. series right now that's to, the showing well, you about great. him that's in wonderful. action. But my point, my point is that he had to have relationships and functioning, uh, uh, working relationships with people on the other side, trying to get their people safe. So obviously, he was talking to Romulans and making genuine friendships and and relationships with with Romulans who wanted to be saved, who were also coordinating things on their end to facilitate the evacuation. And I am sure that these two characters that live with him are just not not random somebodies that he adopted. They must be people with whom he worked before all of this took place. Well, maybe. They could be, I a, just they feel could, like it was. They could be administrators or, or governors or whatever. Or, right. But they, they read, I don't think that they, they're they simple read, manservants or whatever. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I was being facetious when I said manservants. They read to me more as like, just ran, just just average people, not like some some like planetary administrator that he would have dealt because he would have been dealing with the the upper echelons of bureaucracy. Among he, others, I think that he would have been. Exp- um, I think obviously he would have been there on a diplomatic and political level as well. But he would have talked to a lot of people who are just. Um, lower on the totem pole let's say taking orders from those people as well he would have been exposed to them i'd think that these two people who are living with him this is again another hypothesis were maybe like middle management who were high up that they had people working for them and that they had their own functions in the thing but obviously that they were just as powerless as everybody else when it came to um you know, making impactful to me, decisions. To me, they just they just read as as average people, like average citizens. I think we might see. I hope we see more of them because if he's going to leave Earth and go on this mission, who knows? I don't think they're going to come with him. Maybe they will, but I it wouldn't surprise me if we see some sort of flashback scene where we see him meet them yeah. or something. I I I would I would not be surprised if it was a scene where like he evacuates a planet, and 
you know, a few a few Romulans, like he saved, like they got off the last minute and he saved their families and they come up to him to thank him or something and they yeah. strike up a friendship. Like, it, it, I don't they, don't, they don't read to me as like people he would have dealt with on an official level, but rather just like normal people, like ro- this average Romulan citizens who maybe lost their families or, or something and, and, or I he don't, saved their families and, right. they, and they wanted to, you know, like out of gratitude for what he tried to do for the people or did for their specific families. They want to like look out for him a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. They, to me, they read as like average citizens, not people that would have worked in the government. Well, see, that's the tragic end of it, because even the people who worked in government or whatever were still trying to evacuate their planet because they were doomed. So everybody in that kind yeah, of thing is kind of riding in the same ma- boat. Maybe my, maybe my perspective is somewhat colored by the comic, which shows that that the Romulan government, not necessarily from top to bottom, I'm sure there were exceptions, but a lot of the Romulan government was pretty obstinate. Mm. They knew about the supernova for years before they even told the Federation the because they, they 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 didn't want to admit weakness or they thought that they could handle it themselves. They thought they could solve the problem or whatever. And even when they agreed to Federation assistance, they were, they were being um, – very obstinate at every step of the way. They're like, well, you you have to only you have to evacuate people in the manner and in the order that which you know only evacuate these people, but not these people, or prioritize these. Like, whereas Picard would have like, no, we're going to save everybody, right? No matter how long it takes, and like in a, you know what I mean? Yep. Um. So and and you you see like some of these regional Romulan um, governors, like the governor of this planet, who who thinks that the whole thing is like fake news and thinks this is just a Federation ploy to weaken the Romulan people and remove them from their homes so yep. that they can turn them into like their subjects or whatever. Yep. So, and I mean, I'm sure that was not all Romulan politicians, um, but we haven't, even in back in Next Gen, in the movies, we didn't exactly get a very rosy perspective of most Romulan politicians. Yep. So maybe I'm just colored by that and I'm thinking like, yeah, these weren't the people that were giving Picard a hard time when he came to help them. These are more like the random citizens who who would have welcomed Federation assistance but probably would have been shot by Romulan soldiers if they dared to step out of line. Right. And and were, had to toe the party line of like, no, we're all fine here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Romulan Empire is as now. strong as ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and those are maybe like Picard. Maybe there was some planet where Picard, where the governor refused to. Maybe this is literally the planet I'm reading about in the comic now. I don't know. Because I haven't gone back to the comics since I saw this episode to see if the names of these characters are the names of characters in the comics. I don't remember. Um but maybe this could be the planet we're reading about in the comic where the governor suspects Federation treachery and doesn't let Picard evacuate their planet. But maybe all he can do is save a handful of people. Yeah. And maybe that's what these people, like their planet was destroyed. Maybe their families died, but Picard at least was able to save them. And right. so they're going to return the favor by looking after him in his old age. That's kind of the vibe that I get, you know. But I, I, I could be wrong. But anyway, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of unanswered questions. Hopefully we'll see more of those characters because I think they're... They, they were interesting and memorable in their little roles, the way in which they were sort of warm to him, but at the same time would kind of like rib him a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they wouldn't take any of his guff. No, I know. Um, yeah. They, and, and then you're like, are they together? Because like you see a man and a woman who are being like warm towards each other. And mm-hmm. oftentimes your your mind kind of goes there. Yeah. But maybe, I mean, maybe they both lost families and they're and they're not just together. Friends, the fact yeah. that they're just different genders isn't not that they necessarily would have needed to be different genders. But, you know, 
maybe they're just friends or maybe they've been caring for Picard for so many years that they've sort of developed a close bond, but they're not together romantically. I don't know how we were necessarily supposed to read their relationship. Maybe they are husband and wife. Maybe he saved their family. Right. You know, he saved them, but their children died or something, but they, you know. Or maybe they, their children live some yeah, other part like, of Earth. Like you don't, need, know. you don't know. They, they read to me as, they read to me as like average people who had suffered a, a great loss. Yeah. And, and, but that could be a big loss, like they lost their they empire lost or their it could whole, be a yeah. smaller loss, like their families. Or something or more immediate. I yeah. mean, at least they're extended family is definitely like in in danger of not being around anyway we'll see i mean we're going to watch the next definitely episode the rest a couple of, of days so hopefully we'll see i don't know i kind of want some flashbacks i want some flashbacks to the evacuation i want some flashbacks to who these people are well, i would like i'd like some more flashbacks explanation to like will be fine attack too. On Mars I mean, thing. yeah yeah but i want to i want to see some of these because i feel like we've jumped we've jumped over like 20 years well yeah of really interesting stuff happened <laughs> in the star trek universe and like we hear it referred to like, i want to see some of this thing, up, you know though. come on now this i want to see a movie about you know the 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 evacuation of the romulan empire yeah. by picard you know yeah, like i want to yeah. see like digitally dh patrick stewart and do like an original movie on cbs all access the first cbs all access original movie right Lord, were they? Were I don't they, think they can. You know why? Because uh, well, no, stunt doubles can do a lot of good things nowadays. But he would. But it wouldn't be an action movie necessarily. He'd just be standing on the bridge of a ship trying to evacuate people. But there were a lot of next gen episodes that were compelling that didn't have any action by Patrick Stewart in it. I know. Just do it. Do it. I'd love to see an original movie or like a feature length episode or something, which is about the evacuation, the ways, and you know, because there's we'll a, there must be a hundred interesting stories because the evacuation was a years long effort. I know. That was only stymied at the last yeah, I don't minute disagree by this attack. With you. There's so many interesting stories there. I don't you could have a whole TV you. series about that if you wanted to. You know what I mean? You could. This is the TV series about the, that the premise, later. The premise of Deep Space Nine <laughs> was about like, oh, let's let's see if we can get Bajor into the Federation. That was the, theoretically that's why Cisco was sent there, right? Yeah. So the pre- that's a that's at least this is at least an interesting a premise, right? The, the yeah. evacuation of the Romulan Empire. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm looking for, definitely looking forward to the next one. Me too, very much so. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. If you want to reach out on Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Um, how about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Da, na, 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 na. 